Coming up next, it's Natalie Cutler-Welsh with her show, Up Your Brave. Community, connections, holistic health, and more on RCR. Reality Check Radio. People are struggling to have conversations and connect with others that they don't completely agree with on every topic. And I think that's probably the biggest problem that we need to try and solve is how after all this division and after all this separation, do we end up bringing people together again? And what does unity really look like? New Zealand faces some pretty big issues. First one is COVID in the aftermath. There's no getting away from that. Second is racial division. It's been ginned up and it's dangerous. Another issue that maybe people haven't got their head around yet is digital currency. What form does that take? Is it programmable? Will it be used to manipulate behavior and patterns of behavior? Those questions need to be asked and answered. How can you have fair, open, democratic government by people who are appointed? It's a ridiculous idea. And if that idea is taken to its zenith, then this country is in real trouble because democracy, one person, one vote, where every vote is of equal value, has got to be the foundation of a modern New Zealand. What's true, what's not true, how our kids are to be educated. And, you know, I have a great fear for the future. I think we know from history where this could end up. Hello, everybody. It's Friday, the 1st of September, so happy September. You're listening to the Up Your Brave show. I'm your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh, speaker, author, all about visibility, vitality, and extraordinary impact. I wanted to do a quick shout out to anyone else who's got their birthday in September. Um, I was born back in the day, Toronto, Canada, 1973. This week, we are going to be focusing on the topics of love, trust, and confidence. Well, I guess they're more like themes. Speaking of love, huge, huge shout out and gratitude and love to all of my previous guests that I've had over the past five months. I was fortunate enough to bring a few of them together on Zoom a few weeks ago. And then just the other day, I we met in person, some of them, and it was magic. It was amazing. It's really such an honor to be surrounded by so many incredible people. So speaking of confidence, um, Last week, we had Dixie Carlton doing her interview, which was focused on values. And it really made me think a lot about my values. And some of them are, and I'd love to invite you to write down some of yours, if any come to mind. But for me, freedom, integrity, truth, and fun are just a few of my values. And that's really kind of come to the forefront for me in the past week, partly off the back of a little bit of... uh pushback or resistance that I've received uh, just, you know, from people in my life and things like that, but also from a place of empowerment. I've been doing some amazing work with one of my previous guests, Lisa Black. She's amazing. And it's really just helped me to reflect on my message, my mission and everything. So I'm going to just take a moment to read to you a post that I did on Facebook on my personal and my business page the other day. Um, And I'm curious to know what kind of post you would do if you were truly to up your brave. Here it is. So as we're on radio, I know you can't see it. You can go and have a look. Um, Up your brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh. But you'll just have to imagine I'm standing there 
with my what I call my gladiator dress on. I'm a op shopper from way back. And this is an amazing metallic, quite heavy dress that I got from an op shop. Anyway, it's, I'm doing a, a, what I call the Wonder Woman pose, a powerful pose. And here's what I wrote on August 28th at 536 on my personal page. It's fair to say I've had to call on my inner warrior over the past three years. Inner warrior, not worrier. It's fair to say that I've been on the receiving end of pushback, often from those closest to me. But I get it. They're triggered. In a sense, we all are. But I haven't been entirely honest. I've still been watering my words a bit. I guess I'm more of a people pleaser than I thought. But the time has come to dial it up or let things flow with a bit more gusto. So here's what you can expect from me in the coming weeks and months. Less filtered thoughts and opinions. More awesome and authentic guests on my radio show. Biz offerings that are in full alignment with who I am. More truth about the times we are all navigating. More sharing of my journey of holistic health and healing, human design and essential oils. More creating invitations and opportunities for others to shine. More reflections on who we are and what we are here for. Here's what I'm here for in my life at the moment. Genuine friendships. Living in the moment. Creating collaborations and shining the light. Two of my superpowers. Ramping up the vitality and wellness side of my business. More singing and dancing. And occasionally rollerblading and paddleboarding. Massive and extraordinary impact. Fighting for our kids' future. And then I go on to say, if that vibes with you, stick around. Um, if that repels you, I bid you a fond farewell. You're welcome to unsubscribe, unfriend, or unfollow. So that's the message that I put on, a, on my personal page. Um, with love, Nat. Formerly known as the go-to girl, now known as truth-seeking, wellness warrior, visionary, visibility, vitality, and impact coach for speakers, coaches, and healers ready to map their path to Im extraordinary impact. Proud host of the Up Your Brave show on Reality Check Radio and creator of the Escape to the Forest business retreat. So that's what I posted. And it just came from a place of rising up. And I feel like a lot of us are rising up at the moment. Um, so I'm curious to hear what you are, what you are rising up about, what you stand for and what you won't stand for. And speaking of which, I went last week to see the Sound of Freedom movie. I know many of our listeners have seen it. I'm curious to hear what you think. I thought it was really well done. Um, so it's not super cringy, but you still get the effect. But I really still want to highlight to people, as you possibly know, it really only scratches the surface and it really only implies um, or covers the problem of child sex trafficking in Colombia and America and other parts of the world. But it is further afield. In fact, it, it's far and wide and it's a pressing issue um, more than they they show in the film. But at least it does raise awareness. I chatted afterwards with Gloria Masters, who, as you know, I've interviewed her on my show. Um, and she wanted to highlight that it does happen within the homes as well, not just a child getting kid kidnapped and taken to a different country or within the same country, but also within the home and child, child sex trafficking happens. She wanted to express that, and I'm reiterating that as well. On a more positive note, speaking of what we stand for and what we will not stand for, a movie coming out next week is The River of Freedom. Now, this one is, of course, about, it's different. It's about the Wellington um, Freedom protest, the Freedom Convoy to Wellington. 
And it's um, I'm really excited. So I'm excited to see some of you there. And I know that that's happening up and down the country, I would imagine. So um, very exciting. See you there. Here, I'm going to go and read some of our amazing feedback from some listeners off the back of last week's show. Hi, Natalie. Interviews this morning are great, but not all, very many, have a business to adjust our money beliefs for. Do you have anything for the average employee? Well, thank you for writing in. I know a lot of my um, a lot of my guests are are in business, and I really try to make some of their content more general. So, thank you for the reminder to do that. I do think some of the um, if some of we talked to Louisa Havers last week about unlocking financial abundance through your mindset, and a lot of the um, strategies that she has, you can definitely apply whether you're in job or business or neither. So the next one I'm going to read out. Thank you so much, Anne, for writing in. Anne says, self, dog, and hubby are out delivering our RCR brochures and listening avidly whilst in the studio. I think Paul is a superb human being. Rodney cracks me up and Natalie lifts spirits and my heart goes out to her regarding her children. Thank you so much, Anne, for writing in. Somebody else writes in, The Boy in the Water podcast is fascinating and explains a lot. Well worth listening to. Carrie. Thanks, Carrie. And this one from Alan. The best place to view humpback whales is in Tonga. You can swim with them in September and October. So, you know, at the end of the show, sorry, at the end of every interview, I ask my guests a series of questions, four specific questions. And one of them is, what is something on your bucket list? And last week, one of our guests said they wanted to go swimming with the whales. So that's great. Somebody else also sends in. Thank you, Susan. She says, please forward the details of this beautiful New Zealand lady who is living her life passion as a whale tour guide. Amazing. It's called Ray Gill from whaleswim.com. Well, that might be helpful for other people as well. Here's what's coming up. Here's my lineup for the show this week. First up, I've got Gaylene Adams Love on how to be better together in business and in love. So that'll be helpful if you're in business or not. Uh, Then I'm talking to Rob Robertson on building trust for greater flow and wrapping it up with Teresha Toruk on how to be authentically confident in your own body and feel at peace. So exciting. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR Reality Check Radio. Welcome back, everybody. And thank you for joining us here on the Up Your Brave show with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on Reality Check Radio. Next, I'm going to be speaking with the amazing Gaylene Adams-Love. She is a business leadership coach, a relationship coach, high-performance team coach, author, and double world record firewalker. Oh my goodness. We're going to be talking about better together in business and love. Welcome to the show, Gaylene. Thanks so much, Nat. It's a great opportunity to be here. I'm so excited. Thank you. Well, it's great to see you. You know, you and I haven't seen each other in many years, but I know our um, paths have crossed over the years. For those of you that haven't pa- uh, crossed paths with Gaylene before, Gaylene Adams Love is the founding director of Team Fusion International Limited. She's a people expert, high performance team coach, personality profiling specialist with more than 25 years experience working with SMEs, which is small to medium sized enterprises, corporates and government agencies. Gaylene is an accomplished author and authority on team performance and personality profiling, a business mentor and coach to award-winning businesses. As an authority on teams, she will help you understand your team's personalities, the dynamics in relationships, and how to get people working better together. Ooh, I'm so excited to hear all about that. 
Um, before we dive in, I'd love to know, how did you get into this realm of helping people uh, to be better together? Well, it's a long journey, as everybody's journey usually is. It started in childhood. I was involved in scouting and guiding. And as a scout, I was the only youth representative on adult committees. So I represented all of the young people. And I sat in meetings with these really old people. You know, they were at least 25 and they had gray hair and they made decisions and they would always turn to me and say, what do you think the young people would like? You know, would they like this? Would they not? So that was one track that led me through into what I do today. But secondly, when I started my career as a 15-year-old florist, I worked in a really high-performing small business. And in floristry, yes, you get to craft the flowers, but you're also in retail sales. And you never knew on any given day who was going to come through the door or who was going to call you and put in an order for flowers. So in floristry, you see the best of people's lives. You see all the celebrations, the weddings, the anniversaries, the babies being born. But you also see the worst of life all the tragedies there are flowers involved and so you never knew who was going to come through the door and what the day was going to look like so that taught me about reading people and developing empathy which is incredibly useful in sales so I learned not just about business but I learned about people and reading people and then when I left that role as a, a senior florist at the age of 17 I went and worked for an international humanitarian organization. So definitely not a commercial organization, uh, but that was had a really strong purpose. And so we had a very clear idea of why we were there, what we, who we were there to serve. Um, so I had experience in both organizations, a very strong leadership, great communication, incredible team and work really good purpose and making a meaningful difference. So then when I left there after five years, I went out into the real world and I got a massive culture shock mm. because I discovered that not every organization operated with good leadership, good management, clear communication, clear purpose. Um, and also when I worked for Red Cross, the humanitarian organization, I was exposed to personality profiling. And I thought, man, these people have the best jobs in the world. They're coming into organizations. They're helping people learn about each other. They're helping people communicate better together. And, um, and I just went, wow, that is so cool. And it really lit a fire in me to learn more about people and to make more sense of people. And, um, that's, yeah, you know, in my early, very early twenties, I was exposed to that and it's just developed into a lifelong passion. That's so cool about the the florist shop. You know, it's almost like a metaphor for life. It's like sometimes you've got all the highs and the joys, and that's what we do on social media, show the highs, but also show, sometimes sharing the lows. Um, so recently with your backstory, recently I noticed that you've changed your name uh, mm -hmm. because you, I think, used to be Gaylene Adams Wood, and now you're Gaylene Adams Love. Is that a, a what's that about? What's that about? So uh, about 10 years ago, I divorced. And that was my, Adams Ward was my married name. And I held on to that name mostly because everybody in my career knew me as that. 
And I thought, oh, it's be, it would be too hard to change. And I don't really want to. I saw it as my stage name, my professional name. My current partner doesn't like it. And he kept saying to me, mm. will you please change your name? Will you change your name? And I was like, no, it's my professional name. It's my name. I get to choose what it is. So recently he came to me and he said, I've been thinking about you. And I, and I was like, mm, okay, this is, this is unusual. And then uh, he said to me, I've been thinking about your name. And I think that the wood is a block. And I went, whoa, that's really deep. So he's telling me is a block of wood. And he said, I'm asking you again, will you change your name? So I went into this kind of mental spiral. How dare he, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know how we get into the drama. It's my name. I can choose whatever I want. Blah, blah. Don't and tell me what to do. Yeah, that's it. And it wasn't like he was demanding it. It was He was just saying, look, I'm really, I'm, I'm observing what's happening and I just wonder if it's aligned to who you really are and who you show, how you show up in the world. So that really got wow, me. Wow, what a cool guy to say those words. Uh-huh. Now, he doesn't often say a lot that's super cool like that, but when he does, I know, no, I, I know to really listen mm -hmm. to what he's saying. So I was playing my own mental gymnastics, but there was enough, oh, enough truth in it for me to say, well, what if? So then I kind of went, well, do I go back to my maiden name? No, didn't want to do that. Well, what do I change it to? What if I could just substitute the wood for something else? And so then when I headed down that track, I was like, well, this is a no-brainer. Everything I do is to create more love in the world. So why not choose that name? And just recently, I was changing my name on a utilities bill. And the customer service woman that I was talking to was just like, that is so cool. That is so cool that you've chosen love as your name. And she was so excited. And it's not about other people's permission. I actually don't care if anybody likes it or hates it. It resonates with me. And it's a it's a new chapter stepping into a new era in my life and saying, I'm choosing how I want things to be. So I love that. I'm all, I am all about empowered choices. And I was going to ask you if it was a marriage thing. And then I thought, no, I'll just let you tell the story because I didn't want to put my foot in it. But um, interesting about your initial resistance. And I know it's interesting, right? How we feel like, no, people know me as this. And I'm not really sure. Uh, you know, like even me, when I started doing this show and my husband and I, many people know are on very different sides of the fence on all the, all the issues. And I was like, I can easily drop the cutler. Like, no problem. If I just go back to my maiden name, which is Natalie Welsh. He's like, no, that's fine. Um, but it's interesting how our name and what we associate, well, people know me as this, so I really need to stick to it. Uh, but it's like, you need to feel good about your name. You need to feel empowered about it. So that's cool. Well, gl glad to have you on the show, Gaylene Adams. Love. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about your, your book, because I know you've got this um new book called better together and i would love to know what that's about i don't know a lot about it i know you've sent me the ebook which i have yet to read um but tell me what's it about who's it for and what it, what are you aiming to how are you aiming to impact the world with it so this is a great question uh so it is about combining business and love so it's it's for anybody in business it's for anyone in a leadership position. It could be for people who are, are in a relationship and in business together. 
but all of the principles, all, the majority of the principles also apply if you have two business partners. So it's a business, a book about business primarily, but also how do you, how do you involve more love into your day-to-day -day business activities? And we're talking healthy love, not predatory, not, you know, sexual love, platonic love into what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. And how can you rebalance your life? A lot of business owners have their entire business as their focus. And in fact, there's a chapter in the book called Is Your Business Your Mistress? And it's about recognizing, is your business such an obsession that you're ignoring the people that are most important to you? Um, and then you're not ignoring them because you don't care for them. It's because you see the vehicle as the means to give you, give them everything that you think they want, but actually they want your time. They want your focus. They want your attention. So that's what the book is about. It's about rebalancing things and getting your business working better having your team working better together. And if you've got a leadership team or a partnership um, and or a relationship in connection with your business, then all of the principles still apply. Interesting. I had a chat with a friend a few weeks back and she was saying exactly that around, you know, her husband, she didn't say he's married to the business, but basically she's like, we have these holidays we want to go on and these things we want to do while the kids are young, but like he just can't get away. Because I imagine if you have staff and you're, of course, you're responsible for so many families, it's like really hard to turn off from work or to trust other people. Um, do you talk in your book about that, about delegation and, and trusting other people to perform when you're away? Everything is about trust and business. Everything. So it's it's an underlying that runs all the way through the business. And absolutely, it's not just about do you trust the people, it's about do you have the systems and the processes set up? Are you, are you inspiring them? Are you empowering them? And are they in, really engaged in your business so that you can trust them? So yeah, absolutely, it runs all the way through. I love to give my audience practical tips. So if I can put you on the spot here and can you provide for us, if someone is in the audience listening and they've got a team or they're in partnership with their partner in business, what are one or two kind of actionable things or tips that you can share right now today that they can possibly apply? Mm. So this starts right back at recruitment. Make sure every single person, including you, has a job description. Because if you don't have a job description, there's no, no boundaries around what are you doing here today. So, you know, often I get phone calls from people saying, can you just help me get rid of so-and-so? And often it comes down to they've hired this person, but they, the business owner didn't put the parameters in place. So there's no real boundaries. So then the person doesn't know what to do to excel. They don't know that they're secretly being measured on things. And then they're falling short because they didn't even know that that was the thing that they really needed to be focusing on. So position descriptions, you need one before you start recruiting for a role and you need to make it a living working document so that people are very clear about what's required of them. And then you also need to have clear parameters about what are they meant to be focusing on, how they're being measured, what does success look like, and a structure that says, if you're not meeting the mark, what are we going to do about this? 
because every time you point a finger outwards, there's three coming back to you. So always, if a, if a leader is complaining about a team member, the question I ask is, what have you done to contribute to this outcome? Once you address where the gaps are there, if the performance is still not at the level that you want it to be, that's a different conversation. But firstly, you have to lay the foundation so that that person can succeed. And then you measure and monitor once they're very clear on what is required of them. Yeah, so yeah. so important. And it's kind of a basic foundational thing, but I think especially if a company is growing at a really quick pace, sometimes it's like we need more people to do this and that, and you don't set those basics in place, it can be a problem. Interesting, when you were talking about complaining, you know, I always think, you know, anything naming, shaming, blaming, or complaining are indicators that you're in what I call the should zone, where you're like, they should do this, they should do that, right? It's that finger pointing you talked about. But it's a great time to go, oh, okay, I just said the S word. Okay. So it's it's kind of a disempowered state. How can we empower that person? Oh, that's right. We haven't actually done the job description or we haven't revisited it in two years or what I imagine does that happen quite often that there is one but it's dated yes definitely um and look it doesn't matter whether it's dated or you just you're winging it putting the words on the page means that everybody's got something to focus on and in, in my own business we take it a next level and with our clients we've got a profiling tool that allows us to profile the job so it gives us a personality result that says for this uh, this role, the ideal personality profile would be X. And then when you're recruiting, you can do a match when you profile the people to see do they can you know do they match with what we said our ideal personality profile was. And even if you've already got an existing team, get those position descriptions in place and then profile. From that, you'll see have you got the ideal fit, or are there some things that you need to actively manage to ensure that that person can perform at the right level? So it's not, you know, if you've got an existing team and then you profile the role and find that the person isn't a match, it's not about getting rid of them. It's about understanding where the gaps are so that you can mitigate that. Um, and sometimes it could be you rejig the position descriptions or you delegate the responsibility for a certain function to somebody else who's naturally good at that. Mm -hmm area but the responsibility for the completion of it still lies with the person with that task in their position description they're just outsourcing that particular task so it gives you clarity and it allows it, it actually makes people feel a lot more empowered and when they know exactly what they're expect what's expected of them it, they get more engaged in it so it's it's powerful a single simple thing like a position description job description can can lift the performance of everybody in the team if everybody has one and the business owners will often have a position description for everybody else except themselves so you've got to walk the talk you've got to be accountable for certain things and by writing it down is a way to get way to achieve that and i imagine people that are in those those higher roles themselves maybe it's their business their role will evolve over time and sometimes will navigate away from what they love doing. Is that true? So that it's like suddenly they're, maybe they don't, they love, they're an ideas person, but now they're just busy doing all the managerial stuff that, so do, do they have to rewrite their own job description as well? Well, again, what's really amazing about the tool that we use, Contribution Compass, it tells you the 
two other people you must have around you to perform at your best. So in a small business, there might only be three or four people, but for the business owner, you have to make sure that the two additional vital people are part of the four. So yes, and then as the business grows, the responsibilities do change. And we all know, you know, there's the 10 hats, or I think it is the 10 hats of business. And when you've got a very small business, you're wearing so many of those hats. But again, if you're clear about all the things that you're doing, then you can start saying, well, I can ring fence that piece and hire somebody. Mm-hmm. It could be an out, an, you know, an, an, an outworker, outsourced, or it could be a part-timer that just does that 10 hours worth of work. Um, in my own business, when I used to run a property, I used to own and run a property development company. And I used to spend all day on Saturday looking out the window thinking, I wish I was outside playing in the sunshine. And instead, I was doing all the invoicing. And I kid you not, it took me eight hours to do it. And eventually I went, this is ridiculous. I hired a student from the local (laughs) university. And on her first day, after two hours, she came into my office and said, I've finished. And I said, you can't have finished. It takes me all day. And she said, well, I have. So I was like, this can't be right. Show me. And she had done everything perfectly because it was what was natural for her. It was her jam. And she, yeah, she just flew through the work. So I think I paid her for a full day the first day. And then you can go and play in the sun. It's perfect. And then I went and had my Saturdays in the sunshine and she did the work in half a day. And (laughs) yeah, it was, it was a real eye opener to me about having the right person doing the job. Um, because yeah, clearly it was taking me way longer and I didn't enjoy it. And it probably wasn't as good as the work that she did in a quarter of the time. Yeah. Well, playing to your strengths, being in your zone of genius or area of genius, as we sometimes call it, is so key. Tell us more about this profiling tool. So did you develop it yourself? No, not at all. So that's, again, part of what I do in my own profile is I'm not the best person to start things from scratch. But what I do do is I look around the world for the best that I can find. And then I implement that into my business. And I know that I'm not the best person to do things from scratch. So I partner with Contribution Compass and um, they have an amazing network of people around the world. It's a very powerful tool. It's simple and easy to understand. And everybody from the cleaner to the CEO can understand what it means for them to have this profile. So, yeah. I love it. Very cool. Um, I I do love uh, profiling tools and I'll just highlight because sometimes people get a little bit, um, they get a little resistant to it. I I just want to highlight, and this is, you can comment on it too. I feel like those profiling tools, they're such a great resource. It's not, we're not putting anyone in a box or putting a label on anyone. What we're doing is to, in my words, understand each other better so that we can all like play to our strengths and work together, you know, for the best outcome. What are your thoughts on that? Do you get people getting resistant about putting them in a box? There is a certain personality type <laughs> that hates being put in a box. Yeah. And they will usually resist. So when we do a whole team and then we run the team day, there will always be one or two people that they don't want to be put in a box. But on the whole, and you're absolutely right, it's not about putting somebody into a box. It's about saying, this is what's fantastic about you. And this is what we need from you. And this is what you do better than anybody else on the team. And we want you to spend more of your time doing that. 
Yeah. And when you have every single person in a team understanding what is the value that they're bringing to the organization and the contribution they're making and how that person is leveraging someone else and how someone else is leveraging them, um, that it just, this was exactly what happened to me in my early 20s. Um, and yeah, it's such a privilege to work with teams, whether it's a senior leadership team, whether it's say a marketing team or a whole business, um, the insights that come and the respect that comes for each other, Mm -hmm. the communication the understanding, it's a shared language because now you can say, oh, you're such a champion or you're such a catalyst. And yeah. I get it, you know, you've got this shortcutted language that says, oh, yeah, that's right. I can't expect you to be the same as me because we're not the same profile. But you, you know, I, 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 just, um, I, I respect what you bring to the table because that's something that I just don't even understand or I, I'm not good at that. And I, or I don't ever want to be doing what you're doing, but you're really good at it. Yeah. And it kind of, it doesn't dissolve the hierarchy as such, but it kind of, I think, helps people to treat each other equal, but not the same. We like just appreciating different traits rather than, oh, you're the CEO and I'm just a, you know, mm-hmm. admin assistant or whatever it is. It's, I think it's really cool. Hey, I'd love to ask you about, I know you talk about how there's only two states, love yeah. and fear. Yeah. What yes. do you mean by that? Well, so we would naturally think that the opposite of love is hate, right? That's a quite a common thing. So, but my belief system is that love is it encompasses empowerment, it encompasses optimism, positive belief, positive self-image. It's it's the the best of joy, happiness, delightfulness, wonder. So that's the love side. The fear side is all the disempowering. So grief, guilt, shame, um, unworthiness, fear, disempowerment. So we can't bring the best of ourselves if that's how we're spending our time and energy. But we can bring the best of ourselves if we see ourselves as worthy and we see ourselves as deserving and we give of our natural gifts. So I always think, well, which one would I rather be? Where would I rather live life from? And for me, it's a no-brainer to choose love over the disempowering fear state. But we're all human. We all spend certain amounts of time there. We can get triggered by somebody making one simple comment. We can get triggered by, oh, my gosh, I didn't get paid that in, you know, for that invoice that I was expecting, and now how am I going to pay the bills, feed my family, pay the GST, or whatever. So there's a lot of reasons for us to get triggered, and a lot of it comes back from our childhood. Um, so that positive mindset the the love state is where you can be far more effective in the world where things just seem to happen uh, naturally it's easy and it's a, it really aligns with the contribution compass profiles mm. because it's saying well this is where I bring the best of me so the best of me is in my opinion a love state not a fear state mm. And when we're doing what we're good at, rather than trying to be a great all-rounder and amazing at other and focusing on our weaknesses. So when we're in our zone of genius, doing our strengths, we're more likely to be in a, in a zone of love anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
it's so much easier when you're, we call it being in flow. Mm. Time just disappears. You can achieve so much more than when you're struggling through something. Who doesn't want to be in that position? Quick question for our audience. Just make a mental note to yourself, or if you feel called, you can send us a text and let us know on 2057 on the text or inbox at realitycheck.radio. What would you do at work? You know, what is is something that you are in your flow, as Gaylene calls it, or in your area of genius? What 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 would you just love to be doing at work? And I'm not talking about a job title. I'm just like, what are some of the like tasks or projects or things you'd love to do? For me, talking, interviewing people, total happy place, right? So if someone said, Nat, you need to do like an analysis and write a report, I'd be like, oh my God, (laughs) please don't make me. Um, So yeah, what does that look like to you guys? I'd love to know, or at least make sure that you know, because sometimes we just go through life. We don't even ask these questions. Mm, Absolutely. So you are asking me, what's my happy place? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. I'm asking our audience and I'm also asking you. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. So for me, the happy place is where I can say something that allows the other person or gives them permission to tap into their happy place. So whatever, if it's their why, their purpose in life, whether it's understanding themselves better, if it's about uh, bridging bridging maybe conflict or a miscommunication and having people be able to see the other person's view. Um, Sometimes I coach male business owners especially where from what they're telling me, I know their wife is plotting when she will leave. And women, yeah, it's um, women will tend to think ahead They'll stay in a situation for a period of time until, if they have children, it's usually until the youngest child has gone to school or the the youngest child has reached a certain milestone in their schooling. And then they feel that, oh, now it would be okay if I left. And the men will tell me things and my little alarm bells start going off because they often will think, oh, you know, yeah, well, we have some problems. Everybody has a few problems, but I think my marriage is okay, but they don't really know. And uh, they're just busy going to work, being a really good provider, but they're missing some critical information. So if I can help them to, to do some simple little things that will show her that while they're building their business, that she's really special. Mm. Um, and it's sometimes, you know, it's, it, it, I, I can often have a conversation with, well, what happens when you step through the door in the evening, you know, at the end of the day? What do you do? And it's often I talk to the children, I pat the dog, I, you know, I play with the cat, I do whatever. Oh, and 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 I say, and when do you talk to your wife? Oh, well, yeah, you're normally I'm probably home 10, 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, and then I'll go and talk to her. And so I say, right, tomorrow, we're actually starting today. Let's do this differently. And what then then happens is they're showing to their wife, their significant other, that 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 other person is really important to them. And that one simple thing can start to shift the energy in a relationship. So my ideal is when a couple tells me, especially if they've been working together in the business, like that, that absolute highlight is when I see that he has fallen back in love with her 
and she is on the receiving end of his love and adoration and she's then reciprocating it back again so that's yeah that's my super happy place it is and I'm just smiling because you do help people tap back into their love, but you're not like a divorce marriage coach. You're actually coaching men. And that is when I think of you, because you and I have known each other for, I don't know, seven or eight years or so. I do re- I do remember that, you know, coaching high-performing men, you know, um, in, in that workspace is kind of what you do. And I love that you're now also helping um, couples who have businesses. So let's talk about that a little more. What tips do you have or... Um, you know, what What lessons have been learned by others uh, for our listeners that are in a business and a, they're a couple, like they're married or in partnership and they have a business together. So it's that double whammy. Do you have any specific tips for them? Mm. So sometimes you have to create separation between the business and your relationship. So uh, it, one of the chapters in the book is that there's you, there's me, and there's the relationship itself. And when you have a business, that's another entity that you're trying to manage so the business needs your attention you need to give yourself attention your partner needs to give you attention and your your actual relationship has to receive attention as well so one of the things is to create a date night so when I coach couples in business it doesn't it doesn't matter whether I'm coaching the man or the or them as a couple I will always be asking questions about when was the last time you went on a date, like a proper date where you rang the doorbell and asked her, you know, asked her to to go out or vice versa. Sometimes it can be the woman is asking the man out on a date. So there's this whole thing about let's put the romance back in, let's put fun and play back in for your relationship. So sometimes too I coach the women I don't, I don't have the men in the room and I only coach the women. And for women, it's often about restoring their self-esteem because they've been everything to everybody and lost sight of who they are. And then when we can have conversations where, you know, I'll say, when was the last time you bought some sexy underwear? This is your task for this week. Take him underwear shopping with you. And they're like, oh, 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 I don't know. I don't know about that. So, you know, it's just shifting the paradigm about the comfortableness that we get into. For me, I'm going to interject. As long yeah. as the underwear is for her and not for him. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, for her, because yes, that, yes, that's for her she, to feel yes. whatever. If she wants to feel sexy and empowered, not like, do you know what I'm saying? And I think other yes. people in the audience might. So I'm just going to ask that question because that was my response was like, oh, so we can make the man happy? <laughs> No, 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 no. This is about her feeling sexy in her own body and comfortable in her own body and then for him to see her in that way of being comfortable in her own body. Mm -hmm. And it's her choice. If he likes the whatever number (laughs) and she likes this one, she trumps (laughs) because it's about her. So this shopping experience could go either way. It could go either way or they could, it could, and this has happened with clients where she has said, you know what, I didn't feel comfortable taking him. So I went on my own because I wanted to make sure that it was my choices. Nice. And I'm good with that, right? It's because it's about empowering her. So what, what does it take for that to happen, for her to find her own voice, her own style, her own personality and say, this is, this is what I feel good in. So 
yeah, it's it's an interesting topic, right? It is. Send us a message if that resonates with you, anybody. Yeah. Um, okay. So for the business owners, so we're, we've got the, the date thing, possibly the underwear thing, but also do you, do you encourage them to like not talk about, yeah. Cause I, I imagine it's so easy to talk about business like 24 seven, mm-hmm. but hard not to, you know, do, is that one of your things you get them to try to just go on a date and maybe make it not business orientated? A hundred percent. Yes. And look, sometimes I set a challenge. Because if they're really enmeshed in the business, it's like, I'm going to challenge you to see if you can not talk about the business for 10 minutes. And 10 minutes is such a short space of time. But you'll be amazed at how often the thoughts of, oh, I I meant to tell him that or I need to ask her that, um, that happens on dates. So, And then it's not about making them wrong. It's Mm -hmm. about going, yes, we made it for 10 minutes. And then you're, you're growing it for longer periods of time. And if the business stuff does come up, it's about the boundaries around saying, thank you for sharing that with me. Let's talk about that tomorrow when we're not on our day. So it's yeah. not a blaming, shaming. It's just acknowledging, oh, okay, we got to, we got this far in and let's see now, let's reset and see if we can go, you know, how far can we go before it pops up again? So yeah, it's just, we've got to retrain ourselves to have a life and a business at the same time. What about that thing with couples, you know, in terms of, you know, there's that um, saying, you know, one person might be the saver and one might be the spender or whatever. What about money when it comes to couples in business? Do you have guidance for them around that? Mm. And in terms of business growth, investing in the business, et cetera? Sure. Well, I will make a massive disclaimer. I am not a financial advisor. Neither. Right. So as long as we say that, but I have a personal belief that women should always have their own money and men should have some of their own money too. So that there's a there's the business accounts, there's the relationship accounts or the household accounts, and then there's his bank account and her bank account. And nobody has dibs on, nobody can say you should be spending the, your money on this thing. It's yours alone, it's yours alone. So that's my personal belief um, because I think you need to have some money that you don't have to justify in any way. Um, And then again, you know, like I said, I'm not a financial advisor. I believe in using experts to guide you. So if you need to, the financial conversations should be had with your accountant or with a financial advisor that understands what your goals are and how you can um, achieve them as the business is your vehicle to achieving them. Does that make sense? It does. Really and yeah, I like the idea of having this separate, like separate account. I mean, I have my business account and I love it because I can just be like, oh, I want to sponsor this. Like I'm sponsoring the NZDSOS. I want to sponsor this. So I want to buy that for my business or go out for lunch with someone. It's like, it's nice to just do, you know, have be empowered. It's coming back always to being empowered, making empowered choices and taking intentional actions. So that's great. All right. So before we go to the questions that I'm going to ask everybody, uh, that I ask all my guests, is there anything else you wanted to mention about your book or any other tip that you wanted to share? Sure. Um, So this whole concept of being better together, Mm -hmm. it's not about being the best. It's just incremental betterness, if (laughs) that makes sense. Because the more you start making yourself wrong or setting targets that are too big or too much, 
then that's when the disempowered state will kick in and the fear will kick in. And look, let's be real. Everybody has fear. I have fear. I'm sure you do too, Nat, from time yeah. to time. Um, it's part of life. And fear tells us that we've reached a limit of what we feel comfortable with. It doesn't mean you can't go past that limit. It's there to help us. So, but we don't want to spend too much time in that place because we the emotion is action in motion. So we need to be moving through the fear and out the other side. So, you know, better, better, better is good enough. You know, I, I think a lot of people, especially women, have the story of I'm not good enough for whatever reason. Well, you are. You just by being here and being a human being, you are enough. But we've got stories in our background that says we're not. So the better for me, the being better together is about just constantly striving to bring your best at whatever level that is for you. And, you know, some people will have a tidy house. That's how they bring their best. Other people, the, the house is that's not important. Their best is in another activity. So That's me. What? I'm the, my house is not tidy. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. But look how amazing you are as a radio host. <laughs> and you're, you know, you're always empowering women and helping people to be the best version that they can be. So, yeah, who cares if you don't have a tidy house? It's only a problem if you care and it's getting in the way of you being the best at what you, you know, what you're really here to do. I'm sure your job on earth is not to have the tidiest house. Otherwise, everybody else will be missing out on the gifts. That <laughs> Definitely not. So being better together is not about being the best. Great. I'm, I'm glad that you highlighted that. That's It's good. Um, okay. So what is one thing you've done in the last year where you truly upped your brave? So I said to my partner recently, I want to be a best-selling author. Best-selling author. And I had never said that out loud to anybody before. So it was something that I've been dreaming about probably for 30 years. Can I ask why? Yeah. Like meaning, what does that mean to you is what I mean. What that means to me is I've spent my entire life, my earliest ever memory is with my dad at the library with a huge stack of books trying to lift them up onto the counter so that the librarian could scan them out. Books have been such an integral part of my life. And with a book, you can impact somebody that you don't even know. And people can be impacted by people that they don't know. So I see books as my friend. Um, they, they're, their wisdom that I would not have come to on my own. So by by being a best-selling author, it means you're making a bigger impact in the lives of people. The ripple effect is bigger. So that's, yeah, that's why a best-selling author for me. What a cool story. My goals, yeah. Yeah. I, awesome. I, I've got so many books that have helped me at times in my life when I really needed to see mm. that message. And that's, yeah, they've made an impact. I would like to pass that on to others. 
Speaking of books, I'll do a little yeah. shout out to our audience. If anyone has a book that is like significantly influenced their life, um, I might read out a list of, or, you know, a couple every time I do a show, if somebody sends me a message, let me know what book has massively impacted your life. Um, you can you can tell us why, or just tell us the title of the book, 2057 on the text. Do you have a book that's massively impacted your life? Yes. So Louise Hay is one of my favorite authors, Louise L. Hay. She's passed away now. Um, but there was, she's got a little book called Heal Your Body. Mm. And in my 20s and 30s, I suffered incredibly badly with endometriosis. But I learned that my body was telling me messages that I just didn't know how to interpret. And with Louise's book, it became the translator for me to understand why I was experiencing that pain or, um, you know, that ailment in some way. And I literally, I, I spent hours divulged, you know, reading that book and uh, seeing things like, okay, left ear pain means X and this is what I can do about it. And so through that whole process, I've started to understand myself so much more. So she has a publishing house, Hay House Publishing. Um, and that one book, she's got lots of, had, she's, she wrote lots of books, but that one book really transformed my entire life. And I live pain-free now. So it was massive. Yeah, and I'm a huge fan of, you know, holistic health, but also understanding the, the body, like the body talking to you and sending messages and um so I love that concept. Thank you for highlighting that. Okay, the bucket list. Hmm. What is one thing you would love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that we can possibly help you with? Okay, so one of my favorite authors as well, another one, is Marianne Williamson. So she wrote a book called Return to Love, and she also wrote a poem that is often cited as being part of Nelson Mandela's inaugural speech. It actually wasn't part of the speech, but she talks in that poem about our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure and that it's our light, not our darkness, that frightens us. We so, are powerful beyond measure. We don't even know how to half of it. Exactly. Exactly. So she's really, again, you know, one of those authors that truly inspires me and I would love to meet her. Okay, so if anyone's got connections to Marianne Williamson, did I say it right? Yes. Then get yes. in touch with Gaylene. How do we get in touch with you? How can we connect with you online? And what is coming up for you in the next few months? Mm. So you can connect with me online at my LinkedIn profile. So it's currently still under my old name as in I'm transitioning. <laughs> um, so Nat, were you, do I need to read it out for you? Yes, read it out. It will also be on the replays page, but most people will be listening to this on the radio and they're not, you know, they'll go and look it up later. Can they type in Gaylene Adams Wood on yes. LinkedIn? Yes, they okay. can. And um, also Gaylene Adams Love. I think the algorithm will start to change on that shortly. So Got try it. both. Try both. both. Gaylene, G-A-E-L-E-N-E? -E? Yes, that's okay. right. Amazing. So that's LinkedIn. What about a website? On my website, teamfusion.co.nz. Okay. And socials? There. Socials, uh, Facebook. Again, type it in as Adams Wood because I'm still transitioning. <laughs> um, I'm on Twitter. I don't go there very often, to be fair. And that's also fine. Instagram. It, on Instagram, Team Fusion? 
No, Instagram, Gaylene Adams Ward still. Got it. Okay. Yeah. We'll look for you in all the places. We will have the links for you guys and a little mini bio. So to, to remind you about Gaylene's extensive background, um, and we'll have that on the replays page. All you need to do, by the way, to check out the replay, um, if you're having to listen to this in the car and then suddenly you can't finish it or whatever, you can go to realitycheck.radio, click on replays, scroll down to the bottom. You'll see the Up Your Brave show. Click on that. And then you just go and look for Gaylene's lovely photo and you can listen again. Uh, while you're there, you can check out a couple of other different topics. We've got tons. So what is coming up for you in the next few months? Mm. So we've been developing, a business. my business partner, Dawa Hoekstra, and I have been developing a workshop called Couples in Business Weekend Retreat. So it is designed primarily for couples, but we are also adapting it so that on the day where we truly focus in on the couples, we also have an individual program available. So if you don't have a significant other or a business partner, then there's still things for you to be doing during that day. So um, yeah, the Couples and Business Weekend Retreat is one of the things that is coming up in the next few months. Do we know when it is? Oh, well, yes, kind of, because okay. we we actually set one in October, but it got booked out. So we will TBC, have to be confirmed. Yes, to be confirmed. But <laughs> just contact us on the Team Fusion website and okay. we can tell you when the next one is coming. And I did do an interview with Dawa Hoogstra. We've known each other for many years and we've done a few um, interviews and, and stuff over the years. So I interviewed him not so long ago. We talked about um mindset and all sorts of things like that um his talking about loving your business as well so you guys can listen to that on the replays page as well so couples in business weekend retreat date to be confirmed but if you want to find out about it get in touch with gaylene amazing um before we wrap it up gaylene is there anything else you want to share with our audience today it comes back to the marianne williamson um quote that we are powerful beyond measure and we can make a massive difference in the world. Business is a vehicle, but it's not the only way. And the better we are, the better, we, the bigger impact we can make. So as you grow your business, you can impact more people, more families. And, you know, I was talking yesterday with a client and we were talking about purpose. You have to know what your real purpose is beyond all the superficial stuff. Like what is the thing that truly drives you? And if you're not clear on what that is, then let's talk because I'm super good at helping people identify their why. And once you have that, you have power beyond measure because you become unstoppable. So that's the, that's the message. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today, Gaylene. Thank you, Nat. There's such an amazing opportunity. I've loved being with you today. And thank you, everyone, for listening. That was Gaylene Adams-Wood and talking about better together in business and in love. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Gaylene Adams-Love. We talked about a few things. We talked about the contribution comparison, the link between job description and boundaries, we talked about trust, love, and fear, and being better together. And it's not about being the best. You can learn more about Gaylene, look her up on LinkedIn, and also teamfusion.co.nz. 
if you're listening to the live stream or maybe you're listening to the replay, you can go to our replays page and Gaylene's got a bunch of links like that you can click to follow her or learn more. So go and check them out. And we would love to hear from you. What are your thoughts about being better together? Um, does anyone run a business and you want to share some of your own tips with us as a couple? Let us know. You can send us a text 2057. Check out our brand new RCR Foundation Members Club. Go to www.realitycheck.radio slash members and join now. Welcome back, everybody. So good to have you here on Reality Check Radio with the Up Your Brave show. I'm Natalie Cutler-Welsh, and today I'm talking to Rob Robertson on the topic of building trust for greater flow. Welcome to the show, Rob. Thank you. It's uh, intriguing to be here. Ooh, intriguing. Yes, it is. For those of you that haven't met I Rob. I don't want to say exciting because that's how <laughs> you it is exciting. Um, Rob and I have known each other for, I think, probably about eight years through the Professional Speakers Association. Um, but for those of you that don't know Rob, Rob Robertson is an entrepreneur, professional speaker, and strategy mentor for CEOs and professional athletes on a mission to empower individuals and teams to be in the flow state constantly at their best. He is a conference speaker on productivity, stress, resilience, and emotional fitness. He coaches individuals and businesses on using team collaboration and AI technology tools to enable them to achieve a high-performance flow state more easily. And you've recently opened up an amazing retreat center. So exciting. That is exciting. <laughs> that is exciting. And it's been a dream for 20 years. And I every morning... While I'm here, I get up and look out at the view and just am so grateful because science has proven the whole biology of when you're grateful and how the heart influences the whole body and sends more signals to the brain and the brain to the heart. And so how being grateful is such a powerful thing. So yeah, I'm very, feel very lucky with where I am now. Yeah. Well, I'm excited about it too, which I will elaborate on later. But before we mm -hmm. do, let's dive in first to a little bit of your backstory. How did you get to this place where you're talking about emotional fitness and flow and helping people to be high achievers? Um, while staying grounded, how did you get here? Oh, the short answer is I always had a lot of self-doubt, which I covered up by positive thinking for the first sort of 10 years of my uh, sort of adult life until I discovered I had massive sort of emotional stuff that I wasn't didn't know about because I was turning everything positive in the head. So that's been the journey of really the last 20 years of really understanding the emotions and the anger and sort of from childhood stuff and abuse that happened and just letting go of the anger and really believing in who I am, which has been the journey. And that's about dropping into the heart, having really been in the head to have control and turning to positive to actually learning everything I could around emotional fitness in the heart. So that's really my journey and why I love, I'm driven to help people understand who they are and that trust and drop into the heart because that is so topical at the moment as things change and in the head of everything that's happening is just can be crazy but if we're really dropping into trusting who we are and that's an emotion and a vibration that's where it's at for for me 
you know, and I know that you're also like high performance, you, you do very well at tennis and things like that. But you're right, the timing right now, with everything that we are all um, going through in the past three years, particularly, but also what's coming down the path. Um, mm. It's like, it is such a critical time to be able to release those emotions, anger, sadness, frustration, anxiety, and everything in between. So you're t- we're, today, we're talking about building trust for greater flow. Let's start with flow. What do you mean by that? Flow is the state. It's similar to being in the zone. It's a state where effortlessly you're at your peak performance, where things tend to happen. Sometimes time slows down. You're doing what you love, and you're constantly at your best. And in flow, and this is in business or sport or anything, you tend to attract good luck, and you're being in the right place at the right time. Synchronicity happens, and and things happen effortless you've still got to put in the work and do what you've got to do but that's what flow is and that's what drives me having been on struggle street for so many years sort of and battling through mr positive and trying to get things and almost getting there but it doesn't quite happen and so forth it's all about really trusting your instincts and being driven internally and listening within and that's part of being in flow so you have the magic happening Interesting. You were talking about Struggle Street. Does anyone out there right now feel like they're on Struggle Street? So I'd love some tips from you on how we can get out of Struggle Street if we feel like we're there. Um, The other thing you just reminded me of is I interviewed this amazing guy, Dan Monroe, a few months back on nice guy syndrome. Right. Which Ooh, is, yeah. So he helps people with, mis- with nice guy syndrome. And I, and you talked, you called yourself just then Mr. Positivity. And what a great reflection, you know, to get to that point where you can look back at the former version of you with love, of course, and just be like, you know, you used to be Mr. Positivity. Yeah. You're still very positive, but it's more, it's not trying to cover up for the sadness or the anger. So what a journey you've been on. Yeah. yeah and Mr. Positive was an illusion because I was not grounded in reality and it was all a facade and it was and I can tell now when people are at that facade because that was me for 10 years because when you're turning things into a positive you're just uh I had no vulnerability I just said what I felt people needed to hear rather than actually being authentic and being really really yeah being me so yeah, that's the key thing. And I guess you talked of Struggle Street, and mm. that's a fascinating one, especially at the moment, because I'm a big believer in what's happening on the planet at the moment is the struggle is for us to look at different ways. So if we're very sort of in the head and analysing things and and not looking beyond the 3D world of, of things, then we're probably going to struggle and get, get confused and not have the belief in what we're doing. And that's happening for a reason. So we can look within and look at alternative ways. And for me, it's about trust and following instinct and moving from the logic to actually, and science has proven the heart for Heart Math Institute and, and other research around our gut intelligence as well, that we have these amazing intelligence. And if we actually get out of the head and actually use this intelligence and build our trust, that's when the magic happens because we're perhaps you call it superpowers. We're using our superpowers to be in flow and go beyond the norm. How can we do that then? So let's say someone listening, and I know you help people in business, but this can apply to anybody. If someone's like, yeah, I guess I have been really, you know, in my head around, and you called it 3D. So I'm going to 
translate that slightly, you know, I, for me that what that means for some people, it would be like, you know, the cost of oil and the got to get this from the grocery store and I have to do this and, you know, pay that. And just the day-to-day living, the grind, that stuff mm-hmm. is very 3D, but we're, we're kind of taking a, a, a bigger perspective on things. What are some practical things or some uh, like, um, or an experience or an ex- um, activity that someone can do for to help themselves move away from struggle street and to be more in flow in their daily life well it's understanding the difference between thoughts and emotions and gut feel in terms of decision making and there's a great book called embraining which explains the research behind the different intelligence that we have so if we're then aware of whether it is we're busy mad thinking about things as opposed to just getting a feel and a sense or an instinct that's the first thing and something if you're looking for really practical it's really a big believer that whenever we get triggered emotionally that's our pain body coming up to show itself but the fundamental thing is and one day this will be taught in schools our pain body wants to be released and a pain body is simply a collection of all negative emotions over the years that just form into these little icebergs in our unconscious. And so this comes up into our psyche and we get triggered. And that might be anger. Like, like this morning, I was just getting a bit feeling off. And there's actually a process because our pain body wants to be released. And we don't get taught a simple technique, which I teach, which is around releasing a pain body. And it's about if you're in an environment where you can be by yourself or be private to release it, you actually drop into what the trigger is. If like today was a bit annoyed, so I drop into really feeling it. And as the technique is in its simplest few sentences, you just feel what's happening and ask where it's coming from or ask what's under that. You don't need to think about it. You just actually feel what the emotions are there and go under it and you actually release a whole lot of layers of stuff. And that's so empowering because it's then respecting your heart fully and knowing that whatever emotions are there and coming through or coming out you drop into them and actually really feel it because if it's the pain body coming up it's all it can be sadness anger can be all sorts of negative emotions and it's just an iceberg coming up and if we get into a process of just really feeling it but most people feel the surface and particularly uh, in society and perhaps new zealand it's more common that and that females are good at feeling and males may not be Mm -hmm. but it's still if you're just feeling above the surface and what's happening there without going down we miss out on this opportunity to release layers and layers of our pain body and grow so it's a form of self therapy self-healing which i've done so much of over the years and that's been the key to building trust because the more of our pain body that's floating around in our unconscious that creates and manifests our future and that is what creates our either trust or lack of trust. And for me, it hadn't been a great self-esteem and self-doubt. And I went into the head to feel safe and positive and feel control. But as you offload that, you just get left with it's completely different energy. It's, it's a knowing and a trust because you don't have all these pain body floating around in your psyche, unconscious, that's creating all this doubt. And you just have a whole different energy. That was sort of a bit of a spiel. I'm just sitting here because uh, one of the things I love about being a host is I get to talk to amazing people and I always learn something. I've never heard the phrase pain body before. 
But I can ah. see how, yeah, never heard of that concept before. And also ah. the other thing I'm loving so much, Rob, is you're so transparent because, you know, it's like the old Rob would have been like, come on, Rob, snap out of it. You know, tried to positive your way mm-hmm. out of yeah. but the new version of you and what you're helping others to do is to really feel into what you're calling their pain body. Because, yeah, otherwise we just shove it down. We get on with our day and it just oh, and it causes problems. Thing, at risk of repeating myself, the key thing is that our future is created by a pain body because we don't get what we want in life. We get what our unconscious stuff creates because that is the pain body wants to be seen and wants to be be released. So it creates our future. So hence we keep attracting the same relationships or the same patterns in business and the same people around us that is consistent with our, what our pain body needs to be shown. And if we don't look at the lessons or learn what's going on, from this or then we just keep attracting the same thing over and over again and that's that's the beauty of it is if we realize this and start to realize we can drop into really listening to a heart at a whole deeper level by going under it and feeling the different layers of what's happening and it's a whole lot of different things because our pain body has all these little icebergs and the icebergs are a whole lot of emotional stuff over the years that have a similar vibration collect together so i'm like this morning i I was just, I had a lot happening and I had a deadline and I, oh God, I felt myself getting really annoyed. And so I stopped for a few moments and just felt what was going on. And then I felt, well, yeah, this and, and I don't need to be rushing. Why am I putting pressure on its expectations? And so I felt all these different things came up and all these layers of emotions that unrelated and some memories and just it wasn't too serious stuff that came up, but by dropping into really feeling that's what create that's our unconscious stuff that creates our thoughts and leads to our thoughts and leads to our future so it's actually dropping in to our deeper programming and just by being really authentic and opening that heart to really listen then we start to see what is actually driving our future and what's creating our future and that is the absolute magic if we really honor ourselves and honor our heart because heart math institute which has done 20 years of scientific research and trained so many well, i've trained nine thousand of the army's or us army seals and can this other really well respected institute they've proven that the heart sends more signals to the brain than the brain does to the heart if we start looking at the power of the heart as the mechanism that controls our whole stress levels our whole biology then it's a heart that is the central mechanism of flow around our body try living a day without the heart doing a little bit of a pump and the flow so there's my rant shall we call it a rant not sure if rant's the right word no it's too loving to be a rant but it's so it's so (laughs) good because you know even me like today i had a um a friend messaged me and she said oh how are you you seem tired and stressed and i said and i wrote back to her and i said you know i'm just really it, it's hard living with, with when you've got people around you that don't see the world that you do. It's tough. Yeah. And I said, also, I just don't want society to fall for it again, in my words, to make the same mistakes we did before, mm-hmm. you know, uh, last year or whatever. And I'm just so I'm frustrated. But for me, that uh, what I did is I, I go to my voice is my default. But what I skipped past, so I talk about like, I'll say something. Or I'll message someone and I'll say something, but I won't take that time to stop, like you suggested, and feel into my heart and feel that those emotions. 
I'll just explain or express the emotions, but I, I skip the feeling. Do you think so? Yeah. So what you're doing is you're suppressing your tr heart and saying, I don't really value your heart properly. If you want to put it really directly and a bit crudely, yeah. to sort of try and shock you. And this is, if you really, and I'm not saying it's easy when there's a lot of people around to do this. And I don't probably, I never do it when there's a lot of people around, but when I've got a quiet time, when I was in corporate world, I'd go to the toilet and just sit on the toilet, the toilet seat, cover, sit on there and just feel and drop into what I'm really feeling and go down and just honor the heart and just be authentic to myself. And that's part of really honoring your most powerful mechanism of flow in the body and just being able to honor you and give you the respect of really feeling fully. Yeah. Like I, and for some people, maybe for me too, it'll be like, uh, you're allowed, like I'm allowed to feel. And even, you know, a year ago when I was getting more angry than I've been in my entire life mm. and, and expressing that anger. And I got told, no, 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 you're not allowed to be angry. Right. Like literally that's, I, I really got pushback. So it's such a fascinating time if we're willing to look at it like that. But what I just wrote down, Rob, because you know me, I love little catchphrases. It's time to feel so we can heal. Oh, yeah. Well, something you just mentioned there about the anger is, well, I'll go back to your question there, but anger firstly is anger has a bad rap as, oh, it's all bad. But mm -hmm. anger is actually a protective mechanism for us. And it's actually a powerful agent for change. Because often if we don't get angry, we don't take responsibility and don't actually take the steps to change. And there's a group of people that have suffered abuse. And part of the therapy is they want the pe people that have been abused to get angry. Otherwise, if they don't get angry, they don't actually stop and take true responsibility for moving on. So anger is a normal emotion. And it's a healthy emotion for change and creating action. Sure, there's many other uses where anger is not so useful, but this is the key thing. If we're really honoring our emotions and really respecting and listening, then yeah, anger is quite a, can be constructive and helpful, especially it stops us from people from overstepping our boundaries mm -hmm. and doing all sorts of things. And, now I've forgotten what you did actually ask me. That's no, that's interesting though. I, what came to me there was so instead of um, so for the anger as an action thing for people to release to mo then move on, move forward, rather than like harboring that anger and sitting in anger and resentment and frustration and possibly oscillating between those three things, and then and being yes. bitter towards someone and they need oh, revenge yes. and just living in it. It's like express oh. the anger health in a healthy way <laughs> and then release yes. it out of your body because it's not. It's not meant to sit there. And this is the fundamental thing. And I've done a lot of it over the years. And it's actually doing it by myself. Like it used to be that I'd hit a pillow and go on private, feel the anger and ask, where's this come from? Go down and release. And there's a whole lot of stuff that came up. It was completely unrelated to why I was angry. But if you imagine these icebergs that collect together in our unconscious and we're feeling angry about something and you go into it and you do this process of releasing it, it's therapeutic. It's like 
it's self-healing. It's like doing years of psychotherapy. And and for me, seeing psychologists around uh, childhood abuse and stuff, that, that didn't really do a lot for me. It was fine to talk about it, but didn't for me anyway. So, but for me, this process is what is so powerful. Mm-hmm. You drop into it and release it. And particularly over the last few years and this discussion of with people that have said, well, I can't forgive what whoever's done or what government done or whatever and so forth. And but forgiving is not for it's for the person to let go. And mm-hmm. it's the forgiving is for their benefit. Because by letting go of the anger or expressing the anger and moving on, then it's for our own health. Because the more of the pain, but it was our pain body that creates our illness. So an example of these last couple of days with a tight back and lower back. And lower back tends to be feeling not supported. And I looked at where I'm not feeling supported. And and rather than doing the stretches and that goes away, but I actually felt what's the emotion under the tightness in my back? A whole lot of stuff came up about, well, I got a little bit annoyed. I hadn't done this and hadn't done this. Was some strategic stuff with the business that I've been working on. And so the point is any physical ailment has an emotion under it. And I know there's a, a Dr. Donald Epstein when he's in New Zealand talked of cancer. To cure cancer, it's forgiving, letting go of emotion because it's our pain body that creates our future, creates our health, that creates whatever. So hence, it's dropping into feeling whatever if illness you are and you can move the illness on by looking at the motions under it so permission to to feel so giving ourselves permission but also pausing like taking that time instead of going straight into ticking more things off your to-do list or as i go to i go straight to expression but i've skipped the feeling piece so i'm always willing to learn right here in the middle of an interview it's all good um, and the phrase I said before, uh, uh, it's time to feel so we can heal. And I feel like that's true for for society, humanity, um, as well as for individuals. Yeah. Mm. We would love to know what's coming what's up for you. For those of you that are listening, you can send us a text 2057 on the text or inbox at Reality Check Radio. As you probably know, if you listen to my whole show, I do read out um, some of the messages we get at the start of the show is when I do that. And it's always amazing to hear from our listeners what you're loving, what's resonating for you, what's coming up for you um, with all the topics. So definitely send us a message. Let us know what's resonating from this topic so far. Sorry, Rob, what were you going to say? Oh, just the planet is in the biggest transition. We're in the fastest amount of change ever with technology. It's completely changing what's possible. And so it's about the the stress and the anger all these different things coming out it's about letting that out and letting so we can drop into the knowing because trust is a feeling and try <laughs> finding trust in the head i don't believe you can trust is a feeling and a, and a knowing and trust is then the more we drop into our heart and move from the 3D logical linear, everything is separated into three-dimensional boxes. But science has proven there's an interconnectivity of all beings and parts energetically. There is this connection. So it's about moving from that 3D isolated world to knowing that everything's connected and that's the big transition. That's why so much has happened in the last few years is to hit people around, to smack people around, perhaps it's just not great wording, but it's to shake people up, to look at different ways. And otherwise we would have been 
doing the same sort of thing as we always had. So that's what stress and all struggle is about, is to force us to change. And we really are. And, you know, some of us at a faster pace than others. And one of my previous interviews was called Waking Up at Your Own Pace. And so we do need to honor that everyone is on their own journey um, and at waking up or raising their consciousness at um, at their own pace. So mm. let's talk a little bit more about the Flow Toolkit. You've got something with it called a Flow Toolkit, right? What is that? I'll just, can I just go back to you talk about raising consciousness? That's yeah. interesting just comes to mind S some friends that sort of talk about our oh, people waking up and and all this and basically the mind is constantly judging and mm -hmm. analyzing and judging one of the fundamentals and i don't tend to use that term because the head is going to judge and analyze and that sort of separation but the whole trend of and the whole awakening i suppose i'm using it now and i is that it's moving away from judgment to just feel and sense so the heart doesn't judge good and bad it just feels and senses the mind constantly judges good and bad so it's moving away from separation and labeling to just be everyone's who they are and everyone respecting everyone for who they are and and oh, i was gonna say ultimately be loving everybody it doesn't feel quite right it's a bit flurry but Ultimately, that's what it's sort of going towards, accepting everybody for who they are, is when we stop judging and labelling, and that's a heart thing, whereas the head's the labeller and judger and separate. So good. Such good um, insight and food for thought. And so, and I'm sure that some of the stuff we've talked about today will percolate for people over the coming days. Um, if you want to talk about it, I was asking you about the Flow Toolkit yeah so basically it's uh round just having tools to drop into feeling and there's a whole lot of new rules once we get out of the 3d world it's letting go of time it's letting go of its understanding there's a whole lot of research around the heart and around the breath and some really interesting things about the nervous system and how we're often the fight flight and because we're so have screens and things so we don't actually go to rest and digest so there's a whole lot of research that's interesting there about about understanding our biology and our breath and our emotions that are all about flow and stress and resilience because if we want to be in flow or want to be at a peak performance all the time it's knowing our some of the physical biology but it's knowing also the emotions and it's a combination of the two to get everything in flow so we're sort of letting go of so i guess i talked about the head's going to judge and also talk about that's letting go of needs so the head's judging and analyzing sort of needs and if you take needs to the extreme it's neediness so letting go of neediness which is obviously has quite a negative connotation but letting go of needs in general and just being free internally and that's a feeling of just letting go and it's all flows all about letting go sure we have desires and talk and we have intentions and but we're not locked into we're not so rigid so that's a little bit about flow and how it's about letting go to really feel and letting go that needs or especially neediness 
This made me think, you know, sometimes upping your brave is not being, well, a lot of the time it's not being strong and resilient. Upping your brave is feeling your feelings, like allowing yourself Ooh. to. Yeah. 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 Well, to be authentic and for, to be vulnerable, you've got to have a lot of confidence in who you are, especially as a male, to be authentic and be vulnerable. You've got to know who you are. And there's a great, um, for a podcast from a Canadian guy that talks the new badass male is all about having the confidence to know who you are and be able to be vulnerable and that's badass as opposed to the old male stereotype especially in New Zealand is that yeah a tough guy and you're you're stoic and you take like a man and and there's not really vulnerability there and that's how the world's evolving as more and more sports stars show emotion on TV and you get that vulnerability coming through. It's badass. It, really, it is badass. And it reminds me of um, Hendo's Hot Topics podcast. I interviewed Jack Henderson a few months back. It was the same show as the um, the nice guy syndrome guy. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, he talked about how to be a manly man but still express your emotions. And it's just that it's trying to, it's so you can still be a manly man and, you know, we still want the manly men, but also mm -hmm. being able to express your emotions. I know it's a tall order, but I think it's doable. Well, it's really interesting because while I am very emotionally expressive and private, I don't mm -hmm. go around like letting out the anger and things I often talk about on workshops and, and conferences and that, but in public, it's a different because I actually have, I, a sort of a, a trust and a knowing in who I am, I actually stand up for certain things and I actually do some things that I was going to say I didn't think I ever had the balls to do, if we can use that word, previously, yeah. because I just have a really belief in what I want to do and I'll go for it. And it's not, I always used to be so, especially in the head, I used to be aware of what are people thinking and whereas as I've grown to, Debaggageize or de-pain body arise, if you want to call those words that don't exist, then it's just being, and I'll go for what I want without being caring about what other people think. I'm actually probably more aware at times of what other people think and more, can read people even better, but it's a matter of just getting on and doing what is important to me and not caring what other people think. And that's the journey. And that's what is beautiful part of, of it all is to be able to be in that place where you do what you love doing and want to do. Exactly. And that, I'm just going to do a little segue here. That is one of the reasons why I, um, I want to talk about your retreat center because I've always wanted to bring people together in a, not just like a three hour workshop or a, an event, you know, where we just like get dressed up and we, you know, present or, get inspired and empowered. And then we walk away. I wanted to bring them together for a bit longer. And I remember I put a post on Facebook and I was like, I'm looking for a retreat venue, possibly the beach. Cause I love the beach. And all mm. these people wrote to me and all these people sent me links. And then I saw your link and I'm like, Oh yeah, I forgot that Rob was building some retreat place. And I just, I guess I thought mm. it was smaller and I thought it was further away. But honestly, when I watched that video, I was like, and there it is. And, and there it is. That's the place. And I mean, of course, it helps that there's, you know, a hot tub. But 
Even when you're talking about, you know, releasing anger and emotion, I mean, I can see people going into the forest, you know, and just giving themselves permission to just like sing or yell or just get grounded. And that's, you know, so what I'm talking about in my retreat is like immerse, it's time, you know, if you feel called to immerse, I'm using these phrases, immerse yourself in nature and possibly immerse yourself in the hot tub and, um, and take time to like my people are people that like me i'm here to help humanity right i am here to help humanity using my strengths and my skills but also loving to bring people together for collaborations because we can do so much more together to amplify our impact so that's what my retreat's about but i want to talk about so and i chose it because it just because of the energy what is it like there what is it like there? You live there, right? Um, being in the forest or surrounded by nature. And how has that changed you in terms of your flow and um, how you show up and what you're doing, what you love in the environment that you love? Do you know the term forest bathing? Of course. <laughs> yeah. Now, well, there's a huge amount of scientific research that suggests by being among nature, it improves our physical and mental health. And so it's just being and that can be in the park but because the retreat has 40 acres of, of bush here that we own plus that's surrounded by hundreds of it's in a forest that's surrounded by hundreds of acres of forest around it then it's coming into nature and i think you said how how does it affect me it's it's just going for a wander and in the forest it just makes you appreciate because you look at a tree and a tree or a flower or a, a tree doesn't try to grow it just grows and in nature nature doesn't try so it's about just switching into not trying and getting in and, and so that's why it's a, a special place to to sort of recharge and and come and get away from it all to to sort of tune in to listening within getting out of the whole thinking just to get that quiet, I guess. Mm. All right. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you what's coming up. You can tell us a little bit more about your retreat. But for those of you, like a lot of my people also run retreats, like a lot of my clients and my collaboration people run retreats. So if you're looking for an amazing, unique retreat venue, you guys, or for your corporate team, definitely check it out. Um, Rob's going to tell us in a minute how to find out information about that. I'm calling my retreat Escape to the Forest because that those words mm -hmm. like that's just what it's about and it's in november and i'm so excited so i'll I'll put the links on the replay page but you guys can check it out up yourbrave.com slash retreat um so rob what is one thing you've done in the last year where you truly upped your brave well having been here a couple of years in the first year was sort of cutting gorse and doing all sorts of things without actually really being focused as soon as we had the first retreat here just over a year ago, all of a sudden, and it was a energy healing retreat. And I had this amazing shift internally that, and I felt because the retreat had its first retreat and it come alive. And I felt this dream is true. I then was, I don't know, regret it, but I then did his Facebook live a couple of days later about coming out that because I've always been an intuitive medium and intuitive healer Well, I was trained as a Reiki master years ago but I never really publicly talked about it so I did this Facebook live <laughs> about how 
talking about how I can tune into beings and and guides and do all this stuff as a medium and and I don't so much talk about that as much now, but in certain circumstances I do. But yeah, that was something I look back and think, why did I go Facebook Live and tell a couple of thousand people? Well, not that really. I think they were going to watch it, but but yeah, I, there's things like that that you just do. And I, I don't know, I don't even remember why I was so brave to go live. But anyway, there's things like that which I don't regret. It's just you sometimes have these moments where you just got to do something and you just did it. And also, you know, you're, sometimes we're known for something or for being a certain way, whatever job title, background, credentials. And people don't know there's other dimensions, you know, these other sides of us, like this healing side of you, which you've now integrated yeah. into your retreat. Cause I think people can book healing sessions or yoga meditations and things to go with it. Um, so good on you for upping your brave and <laughs> coming out of the healing closet as such. Um, let's talk about bucket list. <laughs> What is one thing that is on your bucket list, something you'd love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that we could possibly help you to do? Well, I'm not sure for how you better help, but a bucket list. I've always, for 20 years, I kept having this vision of me as a conference speaker speaking in front of sort of three or 4,000 people in this big auditorium. And while I've done quite a few different speaking engagements over the years I wasn't actually very good until more recently because as I it was all a sort of facade I used to be more blah, blah, sort of blah, sort of this sort of thinking like it used to be a motivational expert and in the head but over the years I sort of got better by being authentic and really feeling it so that's a bucket list is one day I know well I know well it's a dream to really be in that sort of topical echelon of world speakers known for for that so for helping people to yeah for helping people to drop into their heart amazing okay so and stress and resilience is a lot of it's the science about stress and resilience that i talk on now and work with uh, businesses on so but yeah that's, All right. So if anyone has connections, we, we're looking for a large auditorium, people. We're looking for a big audience. <laughs> well, then you can, you can, you can, the ripple effect of helping so many people on stress and resilience and all the things Rob mm. is so great at talking about. And I think this is such a, mm. this, you're that topic is so key, especially now and going forward. So I think your time will come um, on mm. that, Rob. So get in touch with Rob if you want um, to learn more. Um, or if you've got an opportunity for him, what is coming up for you in the next six months? And here's the key. How can people get in touch with you? Let us know your website and your links. Well, there's a growing calendar of events of which naturally will be added at stargateforest.com. Stargate Forest. Oh, I love the name. <laughs> yeah. And then but most of the work is the Unboxed Operating System, which is mentoring businesses and CEOs. And that's Unboxed Operating System. But I guess for me personally, it's robrobertson.nz. They can find me or on social media. And short of flow is what the key part that I brand that I use in short of flow, helping people get into that state of flow. So that is me. Okay. So intuitive flow, is that Instagram or Facebook? Both. Okay. Great. uh, 
Rob we will also show. put the links on the replay page. So if you're listening to the replay or you're listening to this live stream and you're thinking, I can't remember what they just said, no problemo. All you need to go, all you need to do is go to realitycheck.radio, click on replays, click on the Up Your Brave show, and you can go and find Rob's replay page and we'll have all the info for you there. Um, but if that's too tricky, you can just send, send us a text and we'll send you the information 2057 on the text. Amazing. Rob, before we wrap it up, is there anything else you want to share with us today? Uh, the challenge to everyone is to up their brave by really dropping into their heart, feeling their heart. And that's the key to flow, whether it be flow of blood around the body or fundamental of trust and flow. It's a feeling, it's a knowing, and it is having lived the first, shall we say, 50 years of my life in that state of not knowing and the feeling of trust that is and flow is just something that is so priceless so yeah that's the challenge that to your listeners is to really feel fully and enjoy the trust and flow and beautiful bits but it's also scary and and moments of all sorts of emotions that come up but it's having the toolkit to drop into and release the pain body and really know that it's all happening for a reason and it is all how it is supposed to be if we listen within listen to our heart that's my little conclusion love it thank you so much rob i love how you invited my audience to up their brave um you've been listening to rob robertson we talked about building trust for greater flow thank you so much rob for joining us today such a pleasure thank you nearly thank you everybody for listening I so loved this interview with Rob Robertson. As I mentioned, I've known Rob for many, many years, and it's just so cool to see him evolve as we all do over time. In this interview, we talked about things like covering up self-doubt with positive thinking. Uh, We talked about the concept of emotional fitness, how trust is a feeling and a knowing, and the importance of getting away from what Rob calls struggle street to feel into our pain body and honor our heart. You can learn more about Rob and his amazing retreat center, Stargate, uh, where I'm running my retreat. You can learn all about him, what he's up to. He's got his Unbox business, and it's all on robrobertson.nz. So if you like this episode, you're also going to love the interviews that I did with Dan Monroe and Jack Henderson. So definitely go and check those out on the replay page, realitycheck.radio slash replays. Click up your brave and scroll down and look for those names, Dan Monroe and Jack Henderson. We would love to hear your thoughts, what's resonating for you around the topic of building trust for greater flow. You've heard the words open, fair, both sides of the story. It's easy to say them, but practicing them often seems like a bridge too far. New Zealand, it's time for... A reality check. Reality check. RCR. Reality check radio. Rational discussion. Common sense. And open debate for real. With me. 
Paul Brennan. You know, you just can't make this stuff up. You couldn't write the script. Veteran broadcaster Peter Williams. Where is the evidence they actually make a difference? It turns out that was a very fair question to ask. Taking on the mainstream, Chantel Baker. Mainstream media, as usual, in their little perch. The man who cares so much and whose background is for real, Rodney Hyde. The doctors don't believe them. They can't get ACC. They can't work. They're told it's all in their head. Along with a raft of contributors to inform, entertain and bring the truth back to New Zealand media. It's time for a reality check, all right. RCR, Reality Check Radio at www.realitycheck.radio. We've arrived. You're listening to the Up Your Brave Show. And if you're just tuning in this week, it is all about the themes of love, trust, and confidence. We spoke earlier with Gaylene Adams-Wood on Better Together in Business and Love. We then chatted to Rob Robertson on Building Trust for Greater Flow. And coming up, I've got my interview with Teresha Tarook on being confident in your own body and at peace with yourself. And this is my little disclaimer, um, not super necessary, but just thought I'd throw it in. Um, Teresha works with women, Radiant Woman is her business name, who want to be sexually empowered. So we are going to say the word sexually a few times, um, but the content is totally fine. But I'm just letting you know, in case you've got little ones around and you want to put your earbuds in, totally your call. Well, here it is, my interview with Teresha. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to the Up Your Brave show here with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on Reality Check Radio. My next guest is Teresha Taruk from Radiant Woman. We will be talking today about how to feel confident in your own body and feel at peace with yourself. Welcome, Teresha. Nice to be here. Thank you so much, Natalie. So good to have you here. I know you and I have been friends, business friends and colleagues over the years. Um, and I love that you love talking about women and confidence. Now, you've got some tips today that are helpful for everybody. And for those of you that haven't heard of Teresha before, Teresha Taruk is a trauma-informed relationship and sacred sexuality therapist with a postgraduate degree in counseling and psychotherapy. She has helped thousands of women to find their desire switch, feel sexually empowered and whole so that they enjoy a heart-melting and spirit-infused love life. She's got a knack for women-centered coaching, which means she understands the unique challenges and complexities that women face in relation to, to, in relation to their bodies and their sexuality. She has developed a holistic, sexually empowered, radiant woman method that not only helps women to improve their sex lives, but also feels feel more confident, sexy, and attractive in their everyday lives. And that's what she's all about, helping women to live their best, most confident, and most attractive lives. She's a big believer in loving your body, and she, do, she does that herself through hot yoga, mountain biking, swimming through the winter, and salsa dancing. Good to have you on the show. Yeah, nice to be here. Thank you. I love it. I messaged Teresha the other day, you guys, and she was, she's like, sorry, I can't make it. I'm out mountain biking. So she really is walking her talk. Now, for those of you that are listening that are like, I'm not a woman. Well, guess what? It's all good because when you have a woman in your life who does feel empowered or sexy or whatever, you're going to have a better relationship and probably have a lot more fun as well. So listen in. 
Um, Teresa, I'm going to give tips for men, like men can eat as well. So better work for them. Tips for men as well. Before we dive into that, I'd love it if you could just elaborate a little bit, give us a little bit of a backstory on how you got to this place where you're helping people with confidence. Um, Yeah, I used to be a chartered accountant. So I used to work for Grand Thornton, one of the big four firms. And I remember really feeling like I was in a straight jacket. I felt so constricted and so unhappy. And even though my life looked good on the outside, you know, good job, money, wonderful husband, I just didn't feel fulfilled. And so I've done it for four years and I felt very um, uncertain of myself. I was all into achieving and doing things, but actually I was so disconnected from myself and I felt miserable. And so at one point I just left it all. I resigned, I divorced, and um, I went traveling around the world trying to find what actually makes me happy. How can I connect to myself, to my body? And yeah, what's the secret to a joyful, to a happy life? And that's, that's um, yeah, that's been a big journey. And then I've done university degrees and I've, um, travel around the world, going to all sorts of workshops, trying to really figure out what makes us tick, what makes us excited about life. So you've done tons of learning and through your own journey, you found it. I, it, I, I imagine you found it. And now you're sharing that wisdom with others. Is that right? Yeah. And so now it's just so exciting for me to actually work with, I love working with groups of women. And when they really get it, when they get it, that, oh, that passion is inside of me, that I'm enough, I'm okay, I'm so much more than enough. And they start to feel the desire for life, for love. Um, it just, yeah, floats my boat. It feels so exciting and it feels so fulfilling. And it touches my heart. I love that too, because the ripple effect that that has, you know, when a mother or a woman feels more confident about herself, that's going to ripple down to the kids and everyone in her community as well. Yeah, and I totally believe that happy mothers create happy children. And when a woman is not happy, there's so much resentment that builds up. And that's what really destroys relationships. Um, so for a woman to be happy, to actually, this is what I desire, this is my deep belonging, and being able to ask for it, it's going to fulfill her so much. And it's going to make everyone else happy. So if if someone is wanting to be, whether they're a man or a woman, if they want to be um, more confident and also confident in their own body, like we talked about, and more at peace with their own body, what are some things they can do? Because I know um, my audience loves to have some specific actionable things. What are some things that we can do to feel more confident? Um, so the first piece is actually to come into the body. And I just wonder if the audience can check in right now with themselves. Where are they? Because quite often in our energy, we kind of buff our body or in our heads. And so if you can check in, am I inside my body? Am I actually connected to myself right in this moment? Or am I just thinking? Or am I kind of just floating somewhere up there? And until we actually come into our body, we can't feel confident. We can't be here on this planet. We're kind of half here, half out. And then we can talk to ourselves and like, oh, I'm confident and we can do all this positive talk. But actually until we come back physically, like energetically into our body, this is the first and very important step. So maybe. Everyone, if you can just, you know, take a couple of deep breaths and check in with yourself. Where am I? Am I in my head? Am I outside of my body? Am I in my heart? Am I actually really in my body? And then you can ask yourself to actually like, can I come back into my body? 
Yeah. And for that, I know the big piece is we actually need to feel safe inside ourselves because that's where uh, we disconnect when we don't feel safe. So the big piece is actually you might even right now want to hug yourself and say, I'm safe right now, right here. I can come back and be inside my body. I've got a question that some people might be wondering. So does it help if someone finds that hard to do? Does it help to like touch your stomach or to sit rather than stand or stand rather than sit? So physically, is there something they can do to help themselves, as you say, come into their body? So physically moving and like swaying a bit. Mm -hmm. And then I have this um, technique which actually really works. You just touch your fingertips gently and softly, touch your fingertips and just start noticing how it feels. So you're bringing yourself into your body, opening to your sensations. And you can say to yourself, I'm right here. And notice the pleasure of it. Notice the sensations. And another piece, you can put your hand, one hand on your heart, one hand on your belly. And just take a couple of deep breaths and physically feel I'm here. My body is right here. And I'm inside my body. Do you recommend they close their eyes? Because my natural reaction, with especially with touching the fingertips, was to close my eyes. Yeah. And that way, I'm not distracted by other things. Yeah, yeah. And that's if you feel safe, right? Because mm -hmm. for some people, it might not feel safe. So they can just lower their eye gaze. Mm -hmm. Or close your eyes and come back to yourself. Yeah. And it's such a simple practice, but actually it can change so much in the way we feel and in the way we are with other people. Because when we're not in our bodies, we kind of, we can't relate to other people. We kind of relate to them from our head. Mm. But if we actually come back to our heart, to our body, there's more of us to engage with life with other people. And then we can start feeling more confident because I'm right here. So it is about connection. You know, I talk about on the show, we talk about connections and community and courage. But when a lot of people think of confidence, they think of someone that's bold and out there, you know, with their outfit and their body. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about coming back, number one, into your body and feeling a connection with yourself. And that will allow you to connect deeper with others. Yeah. Yeah. And I just noticed, I know listeners can't see, but, you know, going into the shoulders and kind of that confidence is kind of, mm -hmm. we put it as if we put that confidence on top in our head and our yes. shoulders, but it's not authentic confidence. So authentic confidence actually for me, especially for women comes from our bellies to our hearts. It's like, I'm right here. Yeah. And I know that my value is never in question. I feel this deep connection to myself and I know my value is never in question. Whatever I do, whatever I don't do, whatever I achieve, whenever I fail or don't fail. Yeah. And it's quite a different state. It's kind of coming from the inside rather than something we're trying to put on top. Feels very calming. Yeah. It feels peaceful. That's the piece of where actually come to peace with yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Peace in your own skin. And then the mind chatter goes away, right? When there's like when we're in our head, it's kind of gets quite busy. But mm -hmm. actually, when we connect to the body, we kind of drop in. And it's like, ah, I can breathe. I'm right here and I'm available for connection with other people. So that would be a great first step for people. And it's obviously something we can do in our own way, where, wherever and whenever. Like, let's say you're going 
an example, going into a meeting for business, or you're going to an event where you're meeting up with some old school friends and you're nervous, you might be sitting in the car and you can do this. Is that what you recommend something like that as a practice? Yeah. And there's something that happens if we put our hand on our heart for two minutes and if you just breathe. But I had the hand on the belly as well. So Mm -hmm. we kind of really deeply seated inside ourselves and just do that for a minute or two. They're going to be, there will be so much more of you available for the connection. And people will feel you as being more authentic. And that's what's important, right? I'm not trying to put anything. I'm not trying to put a show, but actually this is who I am. And I'm Mm -hmm. bringing all of me into the meeting. Yeah. What else can we do? What else you can do? So, and then the other pieces, right, is creating actually friendship with the body. So it's kind of the next part. First we come back, but then we create friendship with the body. Because quite often, um, and these steps are kind of relating, right? Um, we go into that inner critical voice, Yeah. And we start judging ourselves. We're kind of trying to come back to our body, but that inner critical voice is so loud. And it actually makes us quite selfish because when we judge ourselves, we're sort of done inside ourselves and we're not available for connection. And that's when we really uh, have conversation with our inner critical voice and there's no confidence whatsoever, right? Because I'm so engrossed in trying to argue with my critical voice or trying to fight here, right? Or I feel defeated. So it's such an important piece to work with that inner critical voice rather than trying to push it away or submitting to that, actually turning towards, leaning towards that critical voice. And I wonder like right now, people can just, if you can check in with yourself, like, can I hear the critical voice? Notice the words there. And it especially comes when we're trying something new, you know, or when we did something we feel is silly or stupid, right? And so then what we do is we say hi to the critical voice rather than trying to push it away. But actually, oh, hi, how are you doing today? Yeah. And then the next step is actually asking, why are you here? What are you trying to do? Because the thing is within a critical voice, quite often the purpose is to protect us but it does it in such a way that it actually hurts us more. And so check in, like, what is your purpose? And if it says, um, I want you to stop speaking, right? That was my piece. Like my critical voice, when I started public speaking, I would like faint. I couldn't speak because my critical voice was so strong, would just completely like um, disable me, incapacitate. And I was like, oh, why do you want it for me to stop speaking? And then the voice goes, oh, so you're not humiliated. Yeah. And I said, oh, thank you. So actually you're trying to protect me. It's like, oh, yes, I'm trying to protect you. And then I, can we do it in some different way? And that's an important piece. Can we actually do it in some different way? And the way I worked out with me in a critical voice, now I feel like a cloak around me that protects me. And so my fear is that someone's going to throw uh, rotten eggs at me when I'm speaking. Like that just... You know, it's illogical, but that's the fear. And so the cloak is there and the eggs are not going to get through. You know, the tomatoes are not going to get through <laughs> and it's not going to hurt me. It's not going to hurt my heart. And so that's how now the critical voice, I can't even call it critical voice, but actually it protects me. It's kind of this cloak, this warm cloak around me. And so that's what I'd invite listeners to actually um, check out. What's your, What's the purpose, right? 
And if the purpose is not clear, you say, oh, and why do you do that? And keep on asking, and why do you do that? And why do you do that? And at the bottom of it, you're going to come to the protection. It's trying to protect you. And then you say, can we do it in some different way? Teresha, I want to commend you because you know, I've been you know, in business, I think, gosh, I think it's 12 years now. And I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about you know, limiting beliefs and their inner critic and the voice. I've never heard it described like that before. And I love it. And I'm going to quote you here. When we judge ourselves, we're not available for connection. Mm. And think about that in terms of connection with self, but connection with others, friendships. Mm. And then this analogy of the cloak. Think of your critical voice as a cloak around you to protect you. Because I think what people try to do is they try to like stop the inner voice or like they're, they don't like it. And so they think I need, I need to get rid of it. But you're going, thank you. Thank yeah. you for protecting me. Because they're going into fight with it, right? Mm. And that's kind of the more what is this that's persists, right? And they say fight. And when we're fighting, we're not available for connection for us, for others. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay, amazing. So what what is the next step then? And so then is creating that friendship with the body, right? We worked with it. We came back to the body. We worked with the inner critical voice. And I'd love to give um, just a practice for people here, right, for listeners to create that friendship with the body. And I've just done my class yesterday, and the practice is actually taking a mirror. So do you mean when you say you did your class, do you do this in person with people or online? Online, I've done okay. a 10-week course, and so okay. we had a session yesterday, and that's what was one of the practices. Mm-hmm. So I invite you, and even like now for you, Natalie, right, if you look at the camera, you're looking at yourself mm-hmm. or looking at the mirror and doing the Ho'oponopono prayer, right? Um, and the Ho'oponopono prayer goes like it's a Hawaiian prayer. You look at yourself and you say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And you keep on repeating that, looking in your own eyes so you can create that friendship with yourself. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And it's amazing what happens uh, once we do it, right? And sometimes uh, that's what I, when I teach my women, right? We actually do it like the whole week. They do it every day, several times a day because if it's difficult to start with, then something happens they should shift the more you say it, the more you look at yourself, that that compassion comes up and that love comes up. Um, and then when we have that love and relationship with ourselves, then that becomes this authentic confidence. Like I don't need to put mm-hmm. on a show, but I actually feel good inside myself. I feel at peace with myself. I can lean towards, um, you know, my critical voice. So I can lean towards the parts of me that... Sometimes I'm, you know, a bit awkward or I don't like so much and I'm okay with all of them. And then I'm not afraid to be humiliated. I'm not afraid to be disempowered, you know, to to be put down. And that's what creates that authentic confidence. And it creates, like, it brings us to connection, to that authentic connection. This is who I am and I'm fully available for that connection. And have you seen when the women do that, have you seen some really amazing results, like transformations or changes? Just yesterday, I was like, oh, it was so good. And um, one woman, she was just, she's like, oh, I'm enough. 
And she was so excited about it because the thing the critical voice constantly was telling her that she's not enough. She needs to try harder. And she was working so hard, like corporate executive, you know. And, you know, the life worked good on the outside. But the driving force for it wasn't because I love doing this, but because I need to keep on proving that I'm enough. Yeah. And she really wanted, she's a very creative person, and she really wanted to create things and with her hands, like quilts, and she loves that stuff. But she couldn't do that because that wasn't enough, right? She had to go through this high-power job and be unhappy and drive her body to real tiredness and exhaustion because that feeling I'm not enough kept on driving her to do that. And like yesterday, she's like, oh, I'm enough. Oh, life feels so joyful, so playful. And she was just, and she was so available for connection. Like it was a group of us and we could all see how she's kind of, like there was more of her there on the screen sharing with us. And it was just, it was just so beautiful to see. That is so powerful. And it's interesting, isn't it? Someone that a lot of people would look at someone like that and go, oh, look at her. You know, she's got the money because she's got the job and she's obviously very accomplished and maybe she's a manager and she... But then it's like, yeah, but if she's constantly striving to striving to prove herself, that sounds exhausting. Yeah, yeah. it's exhausting. Yeah. And then the intimacy wasn't there as well, because when we feel like we're not enough, right, um, I'm trying to hide myself. So that was her pattern. I'm trying to hide myself all the time. Um, and then I'm not letting my partner see me fully. And when my partner doesn't see me fully, there's kind of, there's no love, there's no connection. It's kind of more a pretense of who I am rather than this is who I am in my beauty and my messiness and all of it. And so then the relationships suffer as well. So now that you mentioned that, I would love to just segue and um, if you can comment on what are kind of some of the other signs, let's say, if someone is not being their authentic self or not, they're not confident, how does that show up? in their life yeah so sometimes it might show up as an overly confident person right it's just putting but it's kind of that it's rigid it's a bit more rigid structure there's no flow in the body it's more kind of rigid and um there's a pretense actually i'm good and i'm and this kind of going forward with the head with the shoulders yeah so and quite often people might think oh this is a very confident person but actually inside they don't feel enough. And there's quite often um, they overexert themselves. They might overexercise. They might do way too much, right? They can put too much on their plate. And so then they constantly feel like, oh, I'm like failing, feeling mm-hmm. like I'm just not enough because I've got so much because I feel like I have to do so mm-hmm. much. And then they keep on failing or they keep on burning out, feeling exhaustion. Um, and then that intimacy is not there. That's another piece where people are so focused on work and on achieving to prove their worth that um, they don't spend as much time. Like when I spend fr- time with friends, it's like I'm wasting my time, mm-hmm. right? When I'm spending time just nourishing myself or just playing, kind of the play is the piece that's missing. Um, there's not much playing. It's more like life is so serious and I really have to do all this, you know, this to-do list takes over. And I'm so focused on my to-do list and it never ends, you know, there's always more to do and the play is not there. And then the children, you know, because the children feel it. And I work with some parents where it's like, oh, my children tell me that I'm always doing tasks 
and I'm never available for play. I wrote down, we're so busy proving ourselves that there's no time to play. Mm. Yeah. Play is so important. It's like, that's why I love my mountain biking. You know, it's like, <laughs> when this, I'm going to go mountain biking. I don't care. <laughs> the dishes can wait. <laughs> Everything can wait. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. for those people listening, I would love to hear what is play in your life? You know, if you were to like, for Tarisha, it's mountain biking. For me, it is probably not mountain biking. Um what do I love to do? I love dancing and I love singing, definitely. Um, but what does play look like to you? And also, it, what is resonating so far? We've talked about a, quite a few things already. We talked about um, how she went, how Teresha went from feeling c- constricted to feeling confident. We talked about the exercise or the practice of coming into your body and feeling that connection. And then from there, creating a friendship with that voice, that inner voice, um, what has resonated for you so far? You can send us a text to 2057 or you can send us an email inbox at realitycheck.radio. Um, Teresha, back to you. Was there anything else and any other tips or strategies that you wanted to share about how do we, so do we, if we know we, we have, we're lacking in confidence, we're doing some of these things like overexerting or, um, overexercising or being overly confident, but it's more like a costume. Um, what else can we do to authentically be more confident? Oh, just take a deep breath and come back to yourself, huh? Um, really coming back to what is what is it that I'm trying to turn away from? And that part of me that feels like I'm not enough, turning towards it rather than trying to push it, push yourself through it, actually turning towards it, leaning towards it, and uh, being curious about it. Quite often, like your therapy, I'm so big on therapy that's what really helps us by just leaning towards it being with it rather than fighting with it i know you also love to talk about and and this relates so well the concept of losing your spark um i think i'm on your email list and i saw an email recently and it was entitled lost your spark question mark so what what is that about what is what is having a spark or what is losing a spark look like um well, for me, a lot of it has to do with sexual desire, but then it's not just about sex. It's actually losing the spark for life and for love. And oh, that's what I work with women with because so many women do things they don't want to do, right? Um, again, from that sense of I'm not enough, right? They're trying to please others, please others in life, please their partner in sex, right? Trying to keep peace in the family. And it leads them to actually losing their desire. And the body starts to shut down, which I say it's actually a good sign when the body starts to shut down. It means I don't like what's on the menu. I actually want something deeper. I want something more authentic. You know, I don't want a Big Mac. I want amazing French food with like organic ingredients, but that's not on the menu. So my body shuts down. And it's so important to actually for women to, uh, when the body shuts down, when there's no desire, that it's a sign, not try to push through that. But actually, what is my longing? What is it that I'm missing here? Does this answer the question? It's great. I and I love, I, you know, I'm such a fan. I'm such a fan of like metaphors and analogies. And you're like, it's just not, it's not on the menu. Um, <laughs> no, that's so good. And I, cause I do, I mean, women, you know, there's never, <clears throat> there's never a, everything's never done, right? There's always something to do. Of course, if you're, you know, in the home or when you come home from work. Um, 
but the coming so sometimes coming from a place of uh, of proving oneself i'm not enough but also duty and obligation i feel like duty and obligation come in there like oh i need to be you know like attractive and i need to be fun and i need to make sure the kids are you like duties and obligations so but that's the pleasing piece, right? Yeah, that's right. To focus outside. I'm not here inside myself, checking mm. in what do I want, what do I desire. I'm actually checking what other people want from me. Yeah, okay. But where does it come from? So that's the shift, right? We need mm-hmm. to start focusing. What do I want? What do I desire? And why am I focused on other people so much? Because, again, there's something where I don't feel I'm lovable enough. And that's why I'm so focused on other people, trying to figure out what they need. Yeah. Do you find that as we get older, women tend to be like ask themselves that stuff more? Meaning, we're like, you know what, bugger it, like it's my time, it's time for me now, you know. And I, whether it's in their late forties or in their fifties, like, okay, you know, what do I want? What do they want? What do they desire? Seems to take more of a priority. Is it an age thing? It's yeah, because and I love working like most of my clients. Well, I I have younger clients, most of them after 40, because Mm -hmm. I love when women actually start to ask that question. What do I desire? What do I want? I've been playing all these roles, trying to please everyone else. And now I'm just so just I had enough of that. Um, And it's an age thing. And also because we're out of the parenting, right? Because when you have young kids yeah it's kind of by nature we can't afford to ask that question we have to focus on our kids and the family but when the kids are quite you know they're more independent than by nature and our hormonal balance changes as well so we start to have more testosterone less estrogen and that gets us into like Mm. what actually i want and quite often that's when women lose desire but it's not because we're getting too old and that's how it is it's more about, I actually want to find out what I want. I'm sick of doing it for other people. Now it's time for me. So it's an important question um, to ask, but not to take it as, oh, now I don't want anything. But actually, oh, I have to open up to my longing, to my desires. And then it's going to come back when, you know, the menus, what I want. <laughs> Interesting. So ages and stages, not just your age, but ages and stages with the kids and the parenting, but also you talked about um kind of I guess the hormone thing, like but the the estrogen and the testosterone, but it doesn't mean it's time to shut up shop. It just means you need to <laughs> connect with what you desire. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, 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 don't shut up. This is the thing, because I think women can actually, we can have so much better sex in our 40s and 50s. Like this is the best time because we already know ourselves. We can be authentic. We can be really open. We're connected to our feelings, to our emotions. The potential for authentic, deeply fulfilling intimacy is just right there. Because when we're in our 20s, we don't know ourselves yet. We can't be so open and authentic in our expression. But in our 40s and our 50s, that's when the time was right for us to actually experience that heart melting connection. So please, please, please don't give up. Don't shut down the show. Like Did you say heart melting connection? Is that what you said? Yes, heart melting intimacy. Lovely. That's what I call it. Spirit so and heart melting intimacy. So good. And I did a, um, many months ago, in fact, I did a a whole week all on empowered relationships. And I interviewed um, Vane and... And he talked about intimacy, but he says, in to me, see. So that's that connection is, is the into that, and into that person. And you're really into me, see. And I really like the sound of that. Yeah. It's like the image, right? I get it's like an avatar, you know, like at the end mm-hmm. when she opens his, ma- puts the mask on him. 
And she says, she says to him, I see you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of that moment of intimacy. Yeah. Doesn't matter what you look like, but I see you. I see through you. Before I go to these four questions to wrap things up, there, something I wanted to ask you something about womanly power. Because I know you help women to, I don't know, ca- capture or reignite their womanly power. What is that about? And how can womanly power help us? to either succeed or to be who we are, to to feel fulfilled in life? So again, we start with connecting to the body, but it's not, uh, quite often women are quite comfortable in their heart, right? We're kind of like, yeah, I can feel my heart. But what I bring for the womanly power, we need to connect our sexuality to our heart. Yeah, because sexuality is our kind of, it's our life force. It's what gives us energy to move forward. And so connecting sexuality to our heart, that's the way how we can step into that womanly power, how we can be all of ourselves. And so the practice I offer to women is actually breathing. You're breathing from your sexual center into your heart center and really feeling that connection. And then you can ask yourself, what's my next step? Because when we're connected to our heart and our sex center, then our body and can really give us an answer. You know, what's the next step for me? What is it that I want to do next? What do I need to do? And that's how we step into life from that womanly power rather than just mind, rather than just heart. But actually, this is all of me. And we have so much more drive. There is so much more joy and motivation to actually go forward when we connect to our sexual energy as well rather than just our heart center. Amazing. I'm going to ask you in a moment how people can connect with you online and find out more. Uh, but before I do, is there one thing, what is one thing on your, um, that you've done in the past year where you truly upped your brave? I started doing Facebook lives and it's quite challenging for me. Um, but it just feels so good when I just, you know, switch on the camera and just start talking and sharing with people what I was there and becoming messy, but bringing myself to that, I guess that's my, um, um, trying to practice what I teach, right? But this is my vulnerability. This is how I feel right now. And I'm sharing it with you. And that's, yeah, that's been challenging, but fulfilling. That's good. You know, because I work with a lot of women in business and a lot of people are scared to do lives. It's different than doing a pre-recorded video because when you're doing it live, people can, you know, you can stumble your words. You, You can't go and edit the video. It's just, it's streaming. So good on you for embracing that. Yeah, thank you. The last one I shoot, I was like, for 30 seconds, I'm just sitting there silent. I was like, oh, <laughs> but that's how it goes. It's all good. Um, what about the bucket list? Do you have anything on your bucket list, which is something that you'd love to do, be, or experience that we can possibly help you with? Yes. So having my cloak over my shoulders, I really want to start speaking more and I'd love to be able to speak to an audience, a live audience of a thousand people and just share that message with them. That would be like really exciting. (laughs) Okay. So if anyone has any connections, Teresha's wanting to speak to a live audience, meaning in person um, of a thousand people or more. Okay. So they can get in touch with you. Well, where can they get in touch with you? I know you're on um, to let us know your socials and your website. So Teresha Turok is, I've got Instagram and Facebook account, and it's T-A-R-I-S-H-A-T-O-U-R-O-K, Teresha Turok. And 
I'm just so excited now that I'm in the process of running my um, She Desires Masterclass and I'm doing lots of Facebook Lives for that. So if you are interested in reigniting your desire and finding the desire killers and what actually you can do instead, um, you can go to shedesires.org, O-R-G, and there you can sign up for the masterclass and, um, yeah, learn a lot about how actually I can ignite the design side of myself so I can experience this wonderful, amazing intimacy. I love the name of that. Shedesires.org. And then your website, Teresha Taruk, was it dot? Um, no, my website is radiantwoman.co.nz.co.nz. Okay, got you. So if they want to look you up like on Instagram, it's Teresha Turok. Teresha Turok. On Instagram, and, perfect. Yeah. Uh, and, and your other website, radiantwoman.co.nz. Okay, amazing. Thank you. That's my, my website where I've got, yeah. I do podcasts and this yeah, interviews and blog and everything there. Amazing. So if you love some of the stuff we talked about today, you can find Teresha. What is coming up for you, Teresha, in the next six months, either, you know, personal or business? What lies ahead? Well, that's my uh, She Desires Masterclass that I'm so excited about. And then I'm doing the 10-week course, Sexually Empowered Radiant Woman course. And that um, where I really deeply connect with women and, you know, we cry and we laugh and we have so much fun. And I really love that. And also what's up coming up is my uh, three-day retreat in November where women, when we come together to actually really experience the practices and um, kind of step into our authentic selves and just practice how is it to actually share that with other women where it feels safe, how can I bring more of myself and practice connect, being connected to myself and being connected with others. So that's very exciting. And then I'm doing a bliss pilgrimage. It's oh. a four-day hike on Tarawera Lake where I take women on a hike and we do the practices and we breathe and we swim and we laugh and we just have so much fun and lots of transformation. So that bliss pilgrimage, when's that? The bliss pilgrimage. When is it? That's February. So you said six months. Okay. I think February, March Perfect. is when it's going to be. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, that's amazing. And I, what I love is it's such a great mix of options, you know, for people. Some people go, oh, no, like, I, I really just, I don't want to travel. I'd rather just do it online. And other people go, no, I really want to connect with people in real life. And it's so great that you've got these options. Um, okay. So before we wrap it up, is there anything else you would love to share with our audience on the topic that we did today, which is all around? Uh, how to feel confident in your own body and feel at peace with yourself. What else do you want to add or remind us of? I think the big piece I'd love to leave you with is that you're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. You're beautiful. You've got big, kind heart. You're gorgeous. And you just need sometimes a reminder of that. So maybe find people who can remind you of that. Or put a big note for yourself. There you go, everybody. Hopefully you've got something you can take away today and you can um, start doing some of these practices to have deeper connections in your own life. Thanks so much, Teresha. Thank you so much. It was so great to chat with Teresha and I hope you enjoyed it as well. We talked about a number of concepts and even she mentioned a few exercises you can do. And here it is again, if you didn't get a chance to write it down, what you can say, the mantra, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. 
Now, that's not something that Teresha created. It's something you may have heard before, uh, but write it down if you want to start using that as a practice in your life to bring you back into balance and to bring your heart into a state of love and forgiveness that can help you as well. In this interview, we talked about going from constricted to confident. We talked about concepts like, what do I want? What do I desire? Teresha shared with us that when we judge ourselves, we're not available for connection. Our mind is too busy judging ourselves that we can't connect with others. And the importance of coming into your own body to connect and then create a friendship from there. And she talked about authenticity coming from belly to the heart. You can learn more about Teresha and a lot of the concepts she discusses on radiantwoman.co.nz. She has a She Desires Masterclass coming up. You can follow Teresha Taruk on Instagram, or you can just go to shedesires.org. There's quite a few options for you. If you're listening to the replay and you want to click some links, you can go to our replay page as well and check out um, the links and information there. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show. Here's a little flashback from a previous interview when I'm chatting with Ina Neal on the importance of doing deep inner healing. Here's a little flashback. You can listen to the whole thing on the replay page. You know, I think it's divine timing that we're having this conversation now on this topic now. And we've de- we've had to delay this interview a couple times. So it is divine timing um, because just recently, uh, you know, it's been 8-8 Lions Gate. And I do believe from, I think it's July 27, late July to August um, 12, you know, mid-August is the Lions Gate, which in my understanding is a wonderful time to kind of reimagine how you want to be in this world, kind of re a lot of people are reevaluating their purpose, you know, their their role, their job, and also a great time time to release and to heal. Um, and so I'm so excited for some of the wisdom you're going to well raising this topic and some of the wisdom you're going to share with our audience today around this topic of healing. Something you mentioned, Ina, was you know, you re- realized it was time for you to quote unquote do your own healing. If someone's listening and they go, okay, I've heard about this healing. I've heard about quote unquote doing the work, but how do I do it? Like, Mm. what do I do? Can you give us some kind of, well, I guess, first of all, what does it mean by doing your own healing? And what is a great starting point for someone if they're like, okay, I'm ready. What is it? And I know there's probably a few options, but how do they start? Yeah. Great question. Thank you for asking that. Um, So, you know, Firstly, when you don't know how to do it, um, uh, it feels so big and so daunting. And um, the reason the reason is, you know, in in the work that I do is I don't give um, I don't give opinions or suggestions. What I do is I hold a space to be able to help you to uncover the who you are and the reason why that is so important because it's always going to be unique to you to how you step in to this path of awakening of healing of recognizing the voices the voice of oh this is the you know some people call it the ego i call it the wounded part And so um, recognizing, oh, there's that wound 
And then we're also at the same time recognizing. And then when I can heal that wound, there's this part of me that is actually loud and clear. And so the first thing I would say is, A, reach out to someone that you know is already on that path. So for me in that moment, it was Wayne Dyer. Right. As the path continued to open up for me, I started to follow other teachers that I felt called to listen to. And those that didn't resonate, throw them away. And those that do resonate, dive in a little bit deeper. Um, and then I began to actually reach out to real life people, not just on YouTube, not that the people on YouTube aren't real life, but ones that I know that can hold that safe space that are already doing the work. So that would be number one, because we only know what we know in each moment. And when we know more, we do more. And we are we are human beings that are supposed to be connecting with each other. We're human beings that are supposed to be in the space and the energy and the conversations with those that resonate for us. So recognize that you're not alone and ask those open questions. Who is resonating for me now that I'd like to come in and ask that question? Um, and then the other thing that I'd love to share, and this is a little bit more practical of what you can start right now doing in this moment. Um, and this comes from the perspective of, again, going back to those wounds, right? Going back to that trauma that we pick up. Those wounds are constantly speaking to us. Now, those wounds um, were created, whether it be when we were little children those wounds were created generationally. An example of that for, you know, to take away the woo-woo out of it is, for example, you know, I was born in the Ukraine. Um, my grandmother was, you know, all my ancestry is from Ukraine. And so back then, I'm now in my 50s, back then, um, you know, in you back then it was the U.S. And it was a really challenging time. My grandmother had lost both her parents at a very young age. And so she had this trauma in her life and her life's experience where she had to, at 12 years old, become the adult for her younger siblings. Now, um, that trauma stayed with her for the rest of her life. The way that it showed up for me was that my mother, we, we moved to the States when I was two years old. My mother went off to work and for my father as well. And my grandmother was the, the, you know, the provider for us at home. She was the stay at home mom with us. And I observed her as a young person, as a child, constantly freaking out every time my mother would be home late from work, either even five seconds, right? I watched her starting to pull her hair out of her head. I watched her go into panic attacks until my mom would get home. Now, as a child, I observed it, and there were two ways that I kind of reacted to it. I either laughed it off to say, oh, there we go again, or I would get frustrated with her and, and say, why do you do that? She's going to be home soon. And of course, there were no cell phones back then. And so you just had to sit and wait for her to get home. 
Um, and what I didn't realize is that I picked up so much of that energy and that fear from my grandmother. And so when I became a mother, unknowingly, every time my kids would step out of the door, going to school or going to be with their friends, I had this mm, wound come up. <gasps> what if I don't see them again? What if this is the last time that I ever see them? Right. And so that trauma impacted the way that I parented them, right? So that's what I mean by generational trauma. I picked up her fear, but then I had other traumas where I- And can I just jump in, Ina, because so a generational trauma, also known as ancestral trauma, and you know the backstory to yours, but we'll have Mm -hmm. these traumas that we don't know where they come from or even that we have them. Is that so? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I would say, and again, this is just defining it. Ancestral trauma is actually different from generational trauma. Okay. okay. Um, and that's a whole other podcast and I'm happy <laughs> to do another one there, but we'll just, we'll keep it simple. We'll keep it simple. Um, yeah. Most of the time we actually don't know where a lot of our traumas are coming from because we're just living in these moments and these wounds are constantly speaking to us. And so what these wounds are doing is they're setting us into this fight or flight mode where I need to save myself. I need to protect myself. Now from that place, my nervous system, to put it gently, is going bonkers. And so I don't have clarity. I don't have solutions in how I want to step into this experience of when I'm with my children, to put it practically, or if something is happening in my life. I'm just autopiloting from this place. Sometimes I make up words. I know autopiloting is not a real word, but it there, there, there's there's an energy from it. That's good. Um, And so we're kind of being in that autopilot of these traumatic wounds that we've built up in our neural pathways, both in our minds, but also in every cell in our bodies. We're not aware where those traumas come from. And the work that, for example, I do is that I guide you um, in acknowledging and becoming aware because our our mm, highest self, the being that we are, knows exactly where those traumas have come from. And holding a space, having someone facilitate a space for you where they know and feel how to guide you to becoming aware of, ooh, that's where that came from. And then compassionately seeing those wounds, they begin to fall away, melt away, dissolve away. And then what happens is we rise up as the beings that we are born to be. I'm excited to share with you now a little sneak peek uh, here on the Up Your Brave show. This is one of my upcoming interviews. I have so many amazing guests. I'm so honored. Honestly, every time I talk to somebody, I just learn so much. And I'm so thrilled to be able to share their wisdom and their insight and their experiences with you every week. Uh, In this interview, I'm chatting with Jackie. O'Connor from Heart Place Hospital, where they care for the carers. It's a place for burnt out nurses and others as well. So here's a little sneak peek of an upcoming interview. It's interesting how, and this happens with so many people, is the pattern of, you know, we go through something and then once we've navigated it and come out the other sides, we're not still stuck in the experience. We are able to turn around, or I love the way you said, show up 
speak up and stay standing. We are able to turn around and help others. You know, I talk about how I help the people who help the people. um, And I do that through visibility and impact, but you care for the carers. Tell me more about what that looks like and what are the things they struggle with? I imagine it is burnout and exhaustion, but what are the things that you see coming up time and time again for the carers? Yeah, so um, we hear burnout. We hear burnout quite a bit. It's kind of a bit of a buzzword. Um, and, I mean, that looks like that you have no care left <laughs> um, and and you're exhausted beyond exhausted. And um, so your care factor is zero. Um, but I think, it's, I think there's more to it, really. I think, um, I believe, you know, it's a moral injury. It's it's a compassionate fatigue. Um and I believe that we've been modelled um, a way of living that we're fundamentally, wholeheartedly not designed to live by. So I um, have place hospitals for all humanity. Um, however, um, 90% of our most trusted frontliners are women. And so a lot of the work that um we support at Heart Place Hospital is around the cyclical being and, and returning back to nature of of being um, in the feminine energy and the feminine, um, and we actually function, f- females function in an infradian cycle, whereas our society and, and our institutions are set up in a circadian cycle. So to me, it's like a real no-brainer. Like we are, we're, we're not going to be able to sustain and keep a simple health and education system if we keep thrashing our front our frontliners and um you know use me as a example <laughs> um it was it was a regular regular occurrence to burn out um and I just I thought I wasn't I thought I wasn't strong enough I thought I wasn't resilient enough I thought I wasn't you know I wasn't meant to be in this role um, and then along my journey, I realized I was everything enough. I was more than enough. <laughs> um, it was, wasn't me that was broken. It was the system that was broken. And it was the system that was telling me that I was broken. And it, so it's this vicious, vicious cycle. So we were starting to having to care for our carers, you know, so our carers that we vitally need um, for our most vulnerable citizens were then needing to be cared for. So it just it just didn't make any sense to me. Um, and what making sense of my whole life journey was starting to make sense. So uh, the reason I've called it Heart Place Hospitals is that I started life as a heart kid. So I'd open heart surgery as an eight-year-old. So I've had a health journey. I've been through a health journey as a child. And I've also been through... Um, an era where we were behavioralized. So, you know, I was an indigenous, um, highly sensitive uh, female in this world where I was taught that I was right or wrong, good or bad, broken or fixed. And it was through that healing journey seven and a half years ago that that I had epiphanies and veils were lifted and all those, all those things. And I was like, whoa, actually, hang on a minute. I fundamentally don't fit in to the way that society is set up. And but I but I absolutely hard out belong and in longing, have a longing to belong. And so I can actually create and craft a life that best suits me so that I can show up and still be this healer that I that I was born to be. And then I started looking around and like I didn't like I there was no 
plan here. This was <laughs> it was all soul led, and um, it started seven years ago with workshops in my lounge, and I would invite m- midwives or nurses or teachers or parents, um, and and that's what that's where it started. It started in a in a lounge room, <laughs> you know, in a on my couch at home, um, because I just thought if I don't know this, and I'm highly educated and have had a really nourishing, nurturing upbringing, then who else doesn't know this? Yeah. Thank you so, so much for joining in today, for tuning into the live stream or the replay. If you're one of the foundation members, a huge thank you to you for helping us to keep things going. If you're not a foundation member and you're going, what is Nat even talking about? Um, go and check it out on realitycheck.radio. You can have a look at how you can possibly join um, to support. But of course, even just listening is supporting us, getting the frequencies out. If you have a certain interview or a certain show that really resonates with you, then by all means, one way that you can support is just by sharing that link with one person or doing one post, whatever feels right for you in terms of upping your brave and spreading spreading the word. Here's what's coming up in my world. Coming up, for for those in Auckland, I meet fortnightly for my Empowered Connections Club, which is a business networking club like no other. We meet at the beach. So I've also got a visibility photo shoot called Up Your Brave and Up Your Brand coming up on September 19. And in November, but I'm accepting applications now, I've got my Escape to the Forest Business Retreat for coaches, coaches, healers, speakers, and business owners who are ready to have massive impact. And you can find all that and more on my website, upyourbrave.com. As always, I'm keen to know what has resonated with you from today's show, where we discussed love, trust, confidence, and many, many more things. Um, What are the three things, you know, that will help you going forward to stay empowered? For me, You know, love, trust, and confidence, definitely helpful. But what will help you to stay empowered going forward? I'm hoping you can draw on some of the wisdom and some of the topics we discussed today. Thanks for listening to Natalie Cutler-Welsh here on the Up Your Brave Show. Our text machine is now live. Send us your thoughts by texting your message to 2057. That's 2057. So get in touch with us now. You've been listening to Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on RCR Reality Check Radio.